Blog Talk Radio. Work it, make it, do it, makes us honor, better, faster, stronger. Get that, 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 that don't kill me, can only make us stronger. I need you to hurry up now, cause I can't wait much longer. I know I got to be right now, cause I can't get much stronger. Man, I've been waiting all night now, that's how long I've been on ya. One bleeds red and one bleeds blue. Two friends, one heated rival. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. On Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio with your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red versus Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterward. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Always friends, always friends. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Red vs. Blue Friday Night Football, wherever you may be. Thanks for making us part of your night. I'm Scott Atkins, Team Legacy in the World of High Stakes Fantasy Football. This is the Red vs. Blue show. Uh, we do these drafts every year uh, for the Fantasy Football World Championships, and this is our third and final one of the year before we kick into full gear with the actual world championship leagues themselves. So this is the prep. This gets us ready. This is also a nice prize, $50,000 on the line in the grand prize, $2,495 in league prizes for all of these leagues. So this is about return on investment on your leagues. We're not just giving $1,000 in your league or $1,500 in your league. Lots of league prize money here if you win your league of 12, and then a nice $50,000 prize for the winner. As always, joined by the big blue co-host from Brandenburg, Kentucky, Michael Trent. Mikey, uh, it's been a busy week. We've got action and news about vaccines. We've got action and news in Packerland. And uh, it's good to have you back, bud. How you doing? Hey, Scott. Doing great. Fantastic, brother. Good to be back. Uh, yeah, there's all kinds of news, uh, obviously, on and off the field. And uh, July 23rd, man, things really ramp up uh, with you know, unfortunately, uh, injury here and there, and uh, I'm afraid they're probably going to keep up. But uh, that's what uh, that's what we're here for to keep it all up with you and uh, just see how things develop as uh, preseason and everything keeps going. Yeah, the news uh, that broke uh, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport uh, reported that Devontae Adams has broken off long-term extension talks with the Packers. So it's getting ugly in Green Bay, man. You, you hate to see this unfold publicly. For all to see and you know how much look we don't we don't know all the ins and outs but percentage wise if my Trent had to say the blame goes on Aaron Rodgers or the blame goes on the team how do you how do you divvy that blame up wow that's pretty tough uh I have still I've watched this develop and I have still said I give most of the blame uh, on the team I really okay. do. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, and people say, well, you know, he shouldn't be entitled to this. Uh, you know, it's still a team thing. Uh, 
uh, and Aaron Rodgers needs to step up for his team and do what have you. But, uh, man, I, I think the uh, ownership, the team itself, hasn't really dealt with this uh, in the best way possible. They say they came back with a with an offer a couple of weeks ago to Rodgers. Well, they, you know, in my opinion, I agree with something that something else that I heard that that was a show of good faith. Well, I think that's bull crap. I think they're trying to make themselves look good, and that's it. Man, thirteen and three back to back years. First overall in points scored, one hundred thirty more points than they scored in twenty nineteen. Since Matt LaFleur took over as head coach, you would think that there's a lot of good mojo here and goodwill to go along with this tandem. But I'll tell you, I, I mean, I, I have to think that that playoff move just to not let the, the wow. you know, the man decide his own fate for the team here. It, it just has to just eat at him like he can't get over it. And, and it's, it has nothing to do with money. You know, it has zero to yeah, do with yeah. money. Right, right. I mean, I, money is not the total issue in this. And, uh, you know, the, the playoff move, uh, yeah, that definitely had a lot to do with it. The fact that they did draft Love, which I think Rodgers, for the most part, got over that fairly quickly, as quick as he could. Uh, and But, you know, they, ha- they haven't given him the help in the past. It's It's been de- well documented. We've seen it over and over again. And I think enough is enough. And it really goes to show you when uh, when they couldn't get anything done with this and then now this happens with Devontae Adams, okay, you know, some, something's not going right with that organization and uh, they're starting to feel it. I mean, same thing happened with the Texans. Uh, you know, when J.J. Watt bolted, you know, then before Watson went through his deal, well, he's, he's ready to bolt. So there's there's some underlying things there and something's not right. Yeah, and one of the top wide receivers in the game with Devontae Adams, and all of a sudden it's just it feels like the wheels are coming off. And then let, let's just say uh, if, if there's no Aaron Rodgers, no Devontae Adams uh, next year, uh, we talk about just a totally different team and a revamped team with A.J. Dillon, uh, Jordan Love, and, you know, um, you know the, the, the rookie uh, – receivers, right? Uh, Rogers, right. Amari Rogers, um, he's still Lazard and yeah, Valdez. Yeah, the, the team is just looks totally different, but let's go ahead and get this draft. Up. I want to introduce all the participants. This is the third red versus blue draft of the year. Uh, third and final before we get into the fantasy, uh, the, the world championship drafts that everybody looks forward to every year. Um, this, this league's got a lot of, uh, a lot of names that have been in these leagues We've got Autumn Wind right off the bat, Jerry Bryant out of the one hole, Pirate Monkeys, Sean Medlin out of the two hole, Wishful Thinking, Andy Hort out of the three hole, Fantasy Noob, David Mora out of the four hole. And let's look at those first four picks, McCaffrey, Cook, Kamara, Stefan Diggs. Mike, the fourth pick there, Stefan Diggs, a little earlier than we've seen when you could still get that bell cow running back, Derek Henry, Jonathan Taylor, Zeke Elliott, all those names. Stephon Diggs, the first surprise of the night. It jumped right out at me, Scott. Uh, you know, a lot of the drafts have seemed to be going pretty true to form with uh, Diggs and uh, the other uh, – or two of the other wide receivers, you know, going a little bit later in that first round. But obviously, uh, David, uh, he he wanted who he wanted, and uh, and he went and got him. And uh, kudos. He didn't, he didn't waste any time. He said, okay, this is who I'm going to get. 
uh, if he was drafting, it's just I'm just curious as what David was thinking. What if he was drafting in the third spot? What he would have done, you know, would he have really reached that far and taken him number three overall? Because he obviously feels better about Diggs than he does uh, Henry Taylor and Zeke and those guys. So uh, he didn't, he didn't, it didn't phase him a bit, and he and he's probably done his homework because he knows coming back around. He feels like he's going to be able to get those that round two and three pick what he wants from that pick. Yeah, David's uh, played in all three of these red versus blue drafts, and then Michael Thomas news today does affect that Alvin Kamara pick uh, with with the three pick there by uh, Andy Horton. Wishful thinking uh, report again reported that his ankle could miss weeks of the 2021 regular season. And so you talk about Michael Thomas not being out there, and then all of a sudden. You're throwing to Trey Quan Smith, right? Um, right. You've you've got some issues here. How does that affect Alvin Kamara's workload? Does he? I mean, obviously the team has to lean on him more. He's like, I'll take the ball, dump it to me, give it to me. I'll get us through this tough stretch. It should improve and solidify that number three pick. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it will it will definitely help uh, Kamara out for sure. Uh, because he 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 just wants the ball, like you said, and uh, right. it doesn't matter in what uh, uh, shape or form he gets it. He just wants the ball. And uh, this this uh, Thomas deal, you know, when you start hearing that, boy, boy, it sure uh, it's like it sounds like like a I know it's not, but it sounds like a nagging hamstring. So oh my gosh, two, three, four weeks turns into ten, eleven, twelve weeks. And maybe with no Michael Thomas, maybe you think as an offense start to think to yourself, maybe we need to get Taysom Hill in here to juice up the offense a little bit, to give another added dimension, right? Like we don't have our full team here. Maybe we need to do something like that and get him more involved. I mean, look, you're talking about no depth behind Michael Thomas. I mean, how can you, how can you be the New Orleans Saints and have Traquan Smith, Marquez Callaway, Deontay Harris, little Jordan Humphrey, Jawan Johnson, Kawan Baker. That's your wide receiver core behind Michael Thomas. So look, Plenty of opportunity there. You do have Adam Troutman, the second-year guy at tight end. Should you know, by all accounts, he was the top, one of the top-rated tight ends coming out of uh, the class last year. So we'll see a big step forward from him. But the cupboard is bare behind Michael Thomas. I mean, Traquan Smith, and then I know, you know, one of our one of our insiders has been all over Deontay Harris as a sleeper. Yeah, the cupboard is definitely bare, but. Uh... You know, they're just going to have to find a way to do that. And who knows, you know, when Thomas is in there, obviously he's going to be doubled. Uh, but, uh, you know, this could there's going to be someone that's going to come off, come out of that receiving core, and it's going to be, you know, the owners. Yeah, us, the owners uh, who are uh, drafting, it's, man, now we're going to have to really scramble and figure out, okay, which one's it going to be and what you have the most confidence in. Because generally in those type cases, uh, when it's kind of a free-for-all, then it's finding the right one. And so now it's like it's not really a crapshoot. It's just really digging in and finding, okay, which one of these guys is going to be the man. Yeah. Latavius Murray is also another name to watch here tonight. RB47 normally. Normally he's been going about pick 130. I would expect he gets a little bit of a bump tonight. Uh, again, another player that, you know, just you can you can plug in, especially in FFWC, where you have to start 11-man starting lineup. That extra, uh, a player like Latavius Murray can actually be a godsend right? when, you're, when you're struggling to field a lineup with the bye weeks and the injuries. But, okay, so that's through the first four. 
Let's go through the next four. The almighty Evangelos Lilas uh, comes in and takes Derrick Henry. He's like, okay, I'll take it. Um, and then we look at witty sports G, Mike Millich. He takes his first online championship uh, red versus blue draft. Jonathan Taylor, I mean, I've, I would be thrilled to, to get that there. And, and uh, Mike has also jumped into Dynasty with us this year. Rock Frost, RB Fox, is in the seven hole. He takes Ezekiel Elliott. Again, Dak Prescott back. You give Ezekiel Elliott the pass for what happened last year. And then at the eighth hole, Sig and Zag for Russell Cruz takes Austin Eckler. So four picks, four running backs in the middle of the draft, Mike. Henry Taylor, Zeke Eckler. I think you could jumble those up in any order yeah. and still be okay. I was just going to say the same thing. You could throw those four and take one out, and you might feel you might hedge, you know feel a little bit more confident about one of those four than the other. But as far as there being a, a huge gap between Henry and Eckler at the end of the day, uh, as of right now, I don't see it being that huge of a gap. Uh, so, you know, like you said, those four are pretty pretty close together. Yep. All right. And then the final four of the draft, we've got Team Koch. Greg Koch takes Nick Chubb uh, from the nine hole at R- the RB8 off the board. Uh, Bronco, Ken Brzezowski, takes Tyreek Hill, the second wide receiver off the board. Uh, some say he's the number one wide receiver. I think it's 1-1-A him with, with uh, Hill and Diggs. Hill obviously has more of a track history. Mystery player comes in tonight, doesn't disclose himself for parts unknown. Mystery player takes Saquon Barkley out of the 11 hole. Uh, already we know that Saquon Barkley is going to miss some time. We'll talk about that. And then out of the 12 hole, another player who made the news this week, Mike DeAndre Hopkins, the third wide receiver off the board with the 12 hole. Look, here's, and that's by William Meyer, T. Meyer, Bill Meyer. Um, DeAndre Hopkins comes out and starts to talk about the vaccine and says, hey, if, you, if you're forcing me to take the vaccine, i got to reevaluate my interest and my participation here in this NFL. Now, he quickly took down that post and replaced it with a post that said, freedom, question mark. Mike, you know about social media. You know how it gets players, you know, you, you say things that are emotional in the heat of the moment, and you get on there and you pop it, and then you end up having to delete it, but it's forever. Everybody saw it. And, yep. and so it gives you it gives you a little insight into the mind of of players who are thinking to themselves, hey, for my own personal reasons, I've got my doubts about this thing until uh, you know it's still a little new here, and I'm not too scared about COVID. I'm in good shape, uh, and and you know there's a lots of lots of stipulations at the NFL. I don't I don't a lot of people I'm talking to think that they're not handling this very well, but DeAndre Hopkins was the first big name vocal outside of Cole Beasley. Hopkins comes out and says this stuff here and uh, it doesn't look like it scares Bill Meyer. He takes him into 12. I, I'm thinking to myself, I'm not sure I want to spend my first round pick on a player that's talking about retirement. <laughs> no, uh, it, especially when I look at who is, well, well, who he got next, but uh, I, I, I wouldn't either. Um, I didn't really care for those last two picks of the first round. Uh, but then again, they know you know they're coming back uh, in the next in round two. So, you know, it's kind of well, okay. I'm gonna go ahead and take him, and uh, coming back, I pretty much know who I'm gonna get. Uh, but when I'm looking, of course, I'm looking ahead right now in the middle of the second round, and uh, there's a lot of good players in the middle of the second round that I probably would have taken over Hopkins, especially after what Hopkins had said. Yeah, he took it down, 
But let's face it, he he felt that way or he wouldn't have put it out there. So it's like that, like what you said, it's like that email or whatever you send out, man. Once it's out there, boom, it's done. Um, the the Nick Chubb, uh, you know, I, I'm uh, Tyreek Hill, Saquon Barkley, Tyreek Hill. I left four, those four. Tyreek Hill is to me is by far and away the definite safe play out of those four. Yeah, we talked about Nick Chubb earlier this week that he was the cheaper alternative, the cheaper version of Derrick Henry. They're basically the same player. Derrick Henry just does it on a bigger scale, right? And now Nick Chubb has that same kind of mold, not a lot of receptions, heavy heavy carries, nice yards per carry, and, you know, can can get double-digit touchdowns. You know, uh, he is the cheaper version of Derrick Henry, but not a lot cheaper now. There, I mean, there's only, only three picks in between them separate them. Uh, so we did see three receivers off the board in the first round, and we see a lot of yellow stickers in round two, only two running backs in the second round, Mike. Let's run it down for people at home uh, that are listening. Uh, Travis Kelsey with the first pick of the second round, DK Metcalf, Devontae Adams, and Justin Jefferson. So looking at these four teams, Mike, Kelsey, Metcalf, Adams, Jefferson, all elite values there. Um, maybe Metcalf's a little higher than his ADP. Um, here, here at the FFWC, Metcalf's ADP has typically been uh, pick 20. So, you know, taking him at 13 just means that you had to take him because he wasn't going to get back to you, obviously. If you like him out of these receivers, no, you know, that, there's no problem with that because he has that type of top five upside. Metcalf, Adams, Jefferson, or, uh, Kelsey, are there any of those picks that you, you say to yourself, that's not the type of way I would start an FFWC draft? The only the only thing that I can think of is uh, you know T Meyer. I don't think I would necessarily start it out that way. Uh, if you're going to take Hopkins, uh, that's all good and well, but you're dealing with a guy that is question mark like we had said. Kelsey, I like the pick if I would have had a running back before Kelsey, uh, because now you're dealing with uh, it's going to be quite a while before it gets back around to you, and you're going to be looking at kind of running back problems in my opinion. Uh, but uh, the others, I, you know, I mean, I'm not saying Kelsey's a bad pick because it obviously isn't, but I'm just saying it sets him up for troubles down the road in the next few rounds. Uh, the other ones, Metcalf, I'm okay, I'm really okay with that, to be honest with you. Uh, and then Jefferson, I love Jefferson. Um, I really do because I, I just think he's going to be in a great spot. He, he already is, but I just love that pick. Yeah, uh, Travis Kelsey, 105 receptions, 1,400 yards, and 11 touchdowns. We know what he can, what he brings to the table. The question, as you put it astutely, is what happens to your running back spot? What kind of a running back are you going to get? So let's look at it. Since we're here, he's, he's coming up on RB18 or 19. Now, typically in the FFWC ADP, by the way, real quick plug, you can get the FFWC premium advanced average draft position tool that we have. It gives the high-low windows of the last 10 online championship and world championship drafts. So it gives you the most fresh, up-to-date information we possibly have so that you can look. And if you're deciding on a strategy like this, you can just go look at the tool and say, the type of running back that typically I'm going to get here, right, uh, is RB18 or 19, which is typically Chris Carson, Miles Sanders, David Montgomery, Josh Jacobs, that tier. Uh, you know that going in, that that is, the, that is the range of outcomes that you're going to be presented with as your RB1. And if you're comfortable with that, uh, that's fine. And look, there we go. That's what he did around the yep. turn. Hopkins, Kelsey, 
followed it up with David Montgomery and then Miles Gaskin. Uh, I mean, it's two starters, uh, two players that did extremely well last year. It's a little bit of recency bias. Uh, but they're two players that, that had heavy volume. Montgomery had a lot of volume last year in that offense. Obviously, you get Tariq Cohen back, but nothing to really scare you off of the player himself. Uh, Montgomery had a heck of a season last year, and it seems like people aren't giving him credit for it. It was only 247 carries. It was 1,000 yards. It was eight touchdowns. What I like seeing, though, was the 54 receptions for 400 yards and two touchdowns. Now, if you have Tariq Cohen, he's going to eat into that. But still, that was a nice progression for David Montgomery. What, what, I, don't, I don't understand the hate here. I don't either because uh, Montgomery just continued uh, each week in and week out, continued to increase workload. And uh, I, w- I was impressed with what Montgomery did last year. I was a believer in Montgomery last year, and I'm a believer in Montgomery this year. So that, that worked out really well for him. Um, so won't that be I, interesting? Know, I, won't that Tariq, be interesting if you turn out to be right yeah. on this David Montgomery pick and all the high stakes players that are letting him fall to RB twenty prove to be wrong? I mean, he did have a concussion after we, uh, missing week ten, but six straight impressive games, eight hundred twenty four yards combined with eight touchdowns in that six game span. That is pretty incredible. It's a nice stretch. That was huge. Yes, absolutely. Look, they're not. They're they're just letting him uh, fall um, again. Is he a 300-carry guy, yes or no? I say yes. Uh, Sean Childs says yes and projects him for 325 touches, 1,600 combined yards with a dozen scores. Can he get to well, – I'm sorry, 325 total touches he projects him yeah. for. So that's, that's, that's over 60 catches, actually, even though Cohen is back. So he's projecting uh, quite of an uptick in this in this offense. And, and look, you've, you've got some good mojo here, right? You've got the, the, the young stud quarterback that fell into your lap and just, you know, Justin Fields was not expected to be in Chicago. They signed Andy Dalton. Uh, how long do you think it's going to take for Justin Fields to get that job? Well, I, I, I don't see it lasting much more than maybe uh week two or three. Depends on wins and losses, man. I mean, if you're winning, if, if Dalton goes out there and which <laughs> I mean, for whatever reason happens to win like three in a row and they start out three and oh, well, there's no way, obviously, but I don't see that happening. I I think three weeks tops. Okay. Well, I'm saying week one. I think, he, I think he'll come out. He'll wow. Uh, there's too much excitement about this kid. And you've got that Chicago press. You've got the Chicago media. You've got the fan base. We know what Andy Dalton brings to the table. What do you want to see from Andy Dalton? What Andy Dalton is is a nice backup journeyman quarterback, right? So right. I, I don't think I don't think you play around with it. You, you put him right into the fire. Let's see what he can. Do. He has weapons, and let's get some excitement in this offense right out of the gate. So there you go. That's what happens when you when you fade running back through the first two rounds. He still will pull off Montgomery and Gaskin. Let's take a look at uh, the next pick: Barkley, Metcalf, Tyreek Hill, Adams, Chubb, Jefferson. All of those are solid stacks. Uh, Bronco does the same thing and doesn't have a running back, but he lands Chris Carson, which is a gift. When you think about it, you win at two wide receivers and you get Chris Carson. You can argue that Devontae Adams wasn't the safe pick, definitely has the most upside of anybody, right, in the in the entire league uh, with Aaron Rodgers. But can you pull the trigger on Adams when you have Calvin Ridley still sitting there with a safe Matt Ryan as his number one target? I mean, it, it just feels to me like – I don't have any questions with Calvin Ridley. He's the number one target for Atlanta, a team that's going to be playing from behind and catch up in a lot of games. And, uh, you know, I've, there's questions about uh, 
I mean, do I want Rodgers? I mean, do I want Joe Love and Devontae Adams over Calvin Ridley? No, I don't. I I don't uh, I don't have complete 100% reservations on Adams. Uh, okay. I mean, the, the the reason I say that is because okay, he's not going to get the long term deal. All right, that's set. That's done. Okay, but he's going to be playing his tail off for sure, like he always does. And uh, who knows with love. Uh, I mean, he's still going to be Devontae Adams, and he's going to have to obviously improve some things with love, and uh, they're going to have to learn to work together, which I'm sure they're constantly doing. And uh, so it would, he's so talented and so gifted. That's no knock against Ridley. So is he. But uh, Adams is just – he's a different beast. So I don't with put Rogers. him ahead. With be, Rogers. I don't With Rogers. It's, it's, with, it's the same Rogers. thing that we saw – when when Dak wasn't there, what happened to Zeke? What happened to those receivers? They didn't have near the season without the quarterback. So with a risk of Rodgers pouting and sitting out or whatever, uh, being traded, well, or who knows what? I just can't. Dallas I, just, is, I can't. I can't do it. Yeah, but Dallas's receivers aren't about the Adams. You know, no. they're a bunch of mid well, mid our, to our, high our, range that, tier that, that receivers. May not, that may or may not be true. He was a target. Ho- he's a target hog. I mean, w- if if there was no Aaron Rodgers, would there be a Devontae Adams? If, no, there wouldn't. But however, Devontae Adams. I mean, he's still a much better. Uh, you know, he's still a much better wide receiver than uh, half of that Dallas crew for sure. Look, all I'm all I'm saying is the Packers make stars out of players, and we've seen it since the beginning. It was Greg Jennings. It was Donald Driver. Right. It was Jordy Nelson. It was you know now it's Devontae Adams, but it's always somebody, right? And it's it's always somebody, and and it seems like they. They have that. Where and, and Rodgers just, you know, what else are you going to do? But Ridley, if you looked at those weeks from weeks 13 to th- through 16 last year, 5 for 108, 8 for 124 in a touch, 10 for 163 in a touch, 5 for 130. I mean, that was that was catching fire, and he did the same thing over the first five weeks of the season. So, I mean, monster games, 9 for 130 and 2, 7 for 109 and 2. That, those are monster, monster numbers. So, I mean, I don't see Jordan Love putting up those kind of numbers with Devontae Adams and – and uh, I, I just no, take I Ridley either, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I mark it off the board. Right. I, I mean, I, I don't see him putting up that, those kind of numbers with those kind of numbers with Adams. However, uh, if Love is a quarterback, then uh, who's to say with what's going on in Green Bay, they might not be coming from behind a lot too. Yep. Let's finish up this second round here. Uh, we go to, uh, again, Sigginzag took Cal- Calvin Ridley. So Eckler, Ridley, love that start. Uh, Rock Frost, Zeke, Elliott, Keenan Allen. That's, you know, that's safe. That's safe. There's nothing. There's nothing wrong that yeah. with that, especially with Justin nope. Herbert, Jonathan Taylor, and uh, AJ Brown for Mike Millich. Jonathan Taylor, AJ Brown. That's interesting. Two young guys, two poised for greatness uh, in this league. I, I I just wonder is Tannehill gonna make a you know is is that is that leap coming for AJ Brown? And and a lot of I'll, people think it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think it is. I mean, uh, Tanny Hill and AJ Brown, no doubt, will will be able to connect. I, I really do. I love, uh, I love what he's doing with his draft so far. All four yeah. picks so far. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and then we look at Derrick Henry, Antonio Gibson. I, I called him the attention back. I think this guy will continue to rise and get and creep up on this first round. Derrick Henry, Antonio Gibson. You couldn't have two more polar opposite type of running backs, but. He puts them together there. Stephon Diggs, CeeDee Lamb, another again, uh, fantasy noob, not a, not afraid to go yellow sticker here with Diggs Lamb as the first two picks. And by the way, Lamb at 
at the 10th wide receiver overall and the 21st pick overall. If I go to the ADP, let's take a look real quick. C.D. Lamb, that might be the highest. Yeah, his high was 22 previously. Um, I'm sorry, 25 previously. So the highest he had went in any of the online champs was number 25. This is the earliest he's went by uh, by four picks. That's that's an early uh, pick for C.D. Lamb. What do you think about that? I, I personally don't have an issue with it uh, because there's obviously a, a lot of confidence in Dallas. And even though I said last week that Dallas I, probably going to end up being the same old Dallas, there's still a lot of confidence in Dallas. And Lamb, as I mean, he proved it last year. He's going to be a big play guy. And, uh, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that he can go uh, five for 120 uh, touchdown. I mean, big play guy, touchdowns. So I don't really – it's awful early for him, but when I see who was drafted after him, I'm going, sure, it fits it. Yeah. By the way, this draft tonight, I love this pick, by the way. I, I, th- this draft tonight already has a feel of an August draft. We're not in August yet. This has a feel of an August draft leading into September. The players you're starting to see, these high upside, exciting players with huge ceilings start to go higher than than normal. Uh, C.D. Lamb, you know, you could project him for 90 catches, 1,200, and, and, and double-digit scores, and you wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility here. So uh, that's an exciting pick. Terry McLaurin and Alvin Kamara. Oh, there's a lot of love for Scary Terry this year. Alvin Kamara with that with that combo. He also gets Darren Waller, Andy does, uh, with the 3-3. And, Mike, we know that, that having that tight end last year, it led your team to fantasy title and league title. You had Darren Waller. Uh, you didn't have to pay a third-round mm-hmm. price for him. Now you're paying that third-round price, but you're also – it does feel like you're locking it in because I don't, I don't see a lot of concern or hear a lot of concern about any regression from Darren Waller. 107 receptions, almost 1,200 yards, and nine touchdowns on 146 targets. He led the league in targets by one over Travis Kelsey. So Derek Carr is going to – he's going to throw it to Waller, and he's going to throw it to him a lot. Yeah, Darren Waller showed himself to be quite a leader – uh, on that field too. I mean, there was there was no doubt about it. he was uh, he was looked up to. He was like, look, man, give me the ball and uh, I'm going to be fine. So with the tight ends, uh, uh, people are learning. It's like get these tight ends, and if you've got three, four standouts right now, and uh, get them while you can because they are going to garner a ton of points. And all it takes is for them to start. You get a few it, – it's like Waller. It was like all of a sudden he starts getting the targets, starts getting the receptions. Now he's getting a ton of yards. Now it's finding him in the end zone. And it became quite a connection for uh, Waller and Carr. And like I said, Waller was becoming a definite leader on that team. Uh, Pirate Monkeys, uh, Dalvin Kunaji Harris to run out his second round. Autumn Wind, McCaffrey, Allen Robinson. Again, you know, two studs. Through, through two, two rounds, everybody looks like they're still in contention. Mikey, I couldn't give you a buzz-a-meter tonight because your analysis was so much on point, but I am going to give your cell phone the buzz-a-meter for a little bit of time. <laughs> You, you've done a good job, man. It's great to hear from you. What what, what do you got uh, planned for this weekend? You got any, got any golf action planned, or was that today? No, no, I'll be playing some golf tomorrow. I'd take I'd take a few days off and uh, just uh, playing some golf and doing a lot of work and just getting myself 
a little bit more prepared uh, for uh, drafts coming up uh, that I have coming up. But uh, I tell you what, you you nailed it right on the head. Uh, this draft has a definite August feel to it because uh, there are guys that are definitely moving up the ladder, and we're starting to see some things settle in a little bit more with these drafts because every owner in this draft and all of the red versus blue they have done a fantastic job. They're, they're prepared. So in order for me to catch up and get prepared with these guys, I've definitely got to do some homework here in the next few weeks, but I've enjoyed and, it, Scott. And a lot of people might not know this, but Mikey is in the uh, full-time fantasy uh, DFS and bets channel for baseball every single, uh, every single day. Uh, putting his picks, uh, firing away at baseball picks, and you can follow and track his bets and play along with him. It's a lot of fun, uh, especially if, even if you're not into baseball. You have a little action on the line. It's a lot of fun, and we appreciate what you're doing over there, Mikey. And it's good to talk to you, and uh, have a great weekend. Hey, thanks, love you, brother. Bro. All right. Hey, love you, bro. All right. Well, uh, next guest of the evening, this is the uh, the Red versus Blue draft number three, the final online championship before we get to the big drafts. And that's where we typically hear from this next guest, you know him as the fantasy executive, Corey Parson. What's up? Hey, what's going on, Scotty? Good to be talking to you. How's everything going on on a, on a good old Friday night? You got it, man. NBC Sports Edge. I'm always pulling up, you know, I'm always Googling uh, Roto World. I type in Roto World, and then, boom, I get NBC Sports Edge. And it's just, it takes a lot of getting used to, man. That's, it's, 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 it's you know, how long have we lived with Roto World in our, in our browser and we just click on it? But it's still the same news source and it's something you just you know you it's your it's your a go-to destination every day yeah no doubt it's, it's a place where you come to really start anything that you're trying to do whether it's dfs wise or whether it's sports betting wise you want to be able to um you know get that information that injury news up there first and foremost so what we try to do is get you come for the injury information and news and stay for the content and hopefully we'll be able to accomplish that you know what i mean as we get ready for another season yeah, and did you put out some NBA uh, prop, NBA draft props out this week, or was that, or is that um, somebody else handling that over there? Somebody else took care of that, but we did publish a couple of uh, NBA draft prop articles. Very sharp nice. information, um, so you want to definitely nice. get involved with that if you want to make a couple of dollars this upcoming Thursday night when the NBA draft comes on. Yeah, look, it gives us something. It gives us something to do. Let's take a look at this draft. I, I know you got the draft board. Autumn Wynn, Jerry Bryant, uh, one of our one of our players here. He has McCaffrey from the one hole tonight. Allen Robinson, Aaron Jones with the three one. We're seeing Aaron Jones fall to three one, but Devontae Adams doesn't seem to be falling at two three. Uh, what do you, What do you think about this Green Bay Packers situation? We're going to keep harping on it because it's just. It seems to be the story of the early fantasy season, and I, I know people are tired of hearing about it. I mean, I mean, let's just look at the options. You know, I understand that there might be some critical times right now, but I don't see a situation where any player gets traded or gets moved before the season starts. So, listen, it, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, it may, it may be a lack of time in camp for Devontae Adams. He may decide to sit out or hold out and, and stuff of that sort. You know, but guess what? When it comes time to get on the, the field, he's going to be there. I believe the same thing is going to be the case for Aaron Rodgers. So I think we see the Green Bay Packers as is, and I'm drafting them as such. I don't. I'm not feeling Aaron Jones this year. I mean, he did miss two games last year, but it just seems like he's not a 20 carry guy or a 15 to 20 carry guy. He's a 10 to 15 carry guy, and he's not a four or five reception a game guy. Even though he does get you know three or four receptions a lot, but it's it, it, it's 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 more in that two or three range, and 
and it just seems like he's taken a little bit of a, a, a dip in overall um, usage. I, and I'm sure we could track that and take a look. And you also have a, a running back that I'm really high on with A.J. Dillon. I just think that he's going to get more involved in this offense as time goes on. That's what happens to running backs. Although they signed Aaron Jones to a big contract, at that point, that's when it scares me. You get the big money, and it's like, okay, and now it's time to see A.J. Dillon to, to, to get in here and creep in and uh, make more of a 50-50 timeshare out of this. It wouldn't surprise me at all. I think Dillon's a smart draft pick. Um, normally, I do not go for the Green Bay Packers for the running for the running game, so I've been short on that the last two years. And Aaron Jones, obviously, being an extreme touchdown maker the past couple seasons and having those breakout years, and then coming back last year with a good year again. So I do see what you're saying is, buying low on the value of A.J. Dillon. I have no problem with that. But generally, if I go to the Green Bay Packers offense, I'm going Aaron Rodgers. I'm going Devontae Adams, a little bit of Bobby Tunyon. You know, I, I, I try to get a, a good group of what they do better. I understand that the situation with Aaron Jones is an RB2, where I like him more as an RB2. He projects to go as an RB1. But what I will say is this. I think that, you know, I missed those two years. I'm not going to chase them. Yeah. I've never heard him referred to as Bobby Tunyon. Corey Parson, the fantasy hmm. executive, with us tonight. Uh, Amari Cooper from the 3 2 hole. I got that from Michael it. Fabiano. Okay, all right. Uh, Amari <laughs> Cooper at 3 2. Uh, Pirate Monkeys need wide receiver, and luckily there was still one left there with Amari Cooper. Uh, it's amazing that wide receivers went so fast in that second round. That's typically where we see the Clyde Edwards Hilaire, the Joe Mixon, the Aaron Jones go. But this time we saw the receivers, Lamb, McLaurin, and Allen Robinson all go in that first, in that second round, even Keenan Allen in that second round. So uh, that's what you typically see as you move closer to August. These, these players start to creep up there. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Joe Mixon, DeAndre Swift at four, five, and six of the third round. Uh, is that the right order for those three? Hilaire, Swift, and who else? Uh, Hilaire, Mixon, and Swift. That's interesting right there. I think, yeah. you know, you may have a little bit more safety with Mixon, but I like the upside on Hilaire. And Swift is really the wild card. I'm going to have some shares of DeAndre Swift. Listen, I understand the Detroit Lions situation is, is grim. I mean, we're talking about a team that can be, like, historically bad, right? But this is the one thing that we know. I think the head coach is good. And I think the offensive line is going to be good if they're going to fight. And you look at the, the coaches on that coaching staff. They got guys that can coach on the O-line. They got guys that know how to run the football. You have a, a foot. You have head. You have assistant coaches on that offense that specialize in running the football. Now the the people in the backfield with Swift scare me, but I do think Swift is a player that I'm going to have. I'm going to have some shares of. I don't yeah. know if I'm drafting ahead of Edwards Hilaire and Joe Mixon though. Yeah, yeah, he's explosive. I think he's getting a bad rap, but tonight his uh, his he's a little earlier than expected. Clyde Hilaire is the player that I'd like to talk about tonight because. This is an offensive line that, at least on the left side looks uh, of that offensive line, it looks improved. The center position is there, uh, and you've got a second-year player now in Clyde edwards there. Before getting injured, you know, he had some, some flashes there where he, you know, he looked like he was the type of player that you drafted him for. You didn't have to pay this year the price that you paid last year for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Where, where were we getting him last year, uh, Corey? We were, we were paying end of the first round price, weren't we? I mean, it was first, second round. In September, in September his, his, I never forget this. His sub, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire September ADP was 1-7. Yeah, yeah, wow. 
That was that's that's the ADP in the month of September last year. Um, you people, the, the, the fantasy industry, especially the FFWC players, are too smart to swing and miss or something like that. That should make them a very intriguing prospect this year. Now, in baseball drafts, you know, fantasy baseball, they call it post-hype sleepers. Clyde Edwards-Alea is a perfect post-hype sleeper this year. We know how dynamic that offense is. It's just about him being able to get those carries to itself. Will that happen? We don't know. But early draft pick like that, I, I just want to buy in, especially at a discount. Yeah, you're talking about maybe 1,500 combined yards, maybe double-digit touchdowns, maybe 50-plus catches. Because it's the offense that it is, it's the Chiefs. It's one of the best offenses in the league. He's, he, he's got a top-10 opportunity here. You've only got Jarrett McKinnon behind him, Darrell Williams. Uh, you know, that's it. Darwin Thompson. I mean, you know, there's, nothing, there's nothing else there to really, uh, to really worry about. I, I love the opportunity, and getting him at that RB13 spot is pretty nice. Let's look at the rest of this third round here. Robert Woods, Chris Godwin, and Daryl Henderson. Okay, we've got something to talk about now. Robert Woods, Godwin, and Daryl Henderson. We've got two Rams to, to join the discussion here with Cam Akers being out. I said it last week or earlier this week on another podcast that there's a great opportunity here for Matt Stafford to be the number one quarterback in this league. And... I mean, I just, the opportunity is there. It's going to be there. And you talk about who's going to benefit from that. Well, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, by extension, if Stafford has a great year, they're going to have a great year. And so Robert Woods at 14, that doesn't surprise me. But there's Daryl Henderson right here at RB16 with a really nice plus opportunity, uh, Corey. Talk about Cam Akers, Robert Woods, this entire Rams offense. Now, um, listen, we know what Sean McVay can do, and, he, and we saw him coach that offense and take up the championship brilliantly with, with the likes of Jared Goff. Now you get a competent veteran quarterback in Matthew Stafford. And listen, you have pieces and you have a dynamic uh, offense. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to see Cam Akers this year. We were just talking about him this last weekend, how excited we were to see Cam Akers. Then you get the unfortunate news this week. But, you know, as fantasy analysts and owners, we got to pick up and move, and move along to the next thing. And Daryl Henderson is a guy that can play football. He is a very good running back at the University of Memphis. They call you the University of Memphis Weapon U because they produce weapons, and Dow Henderson is exactly that, a weapon. Now, I do think they want a more down-to-down running back. Henderson can give you some of that as well. So, you know, listen, I was talking to the guys at points bet. They did not uh, change the odds on the, the, um, the Los Angeles Rams. When Henderson got, I mean, when uh, Akers got hurt. Interesting. Yeah. So the trader told me that the reason why they did not is because basically running games are based off offensive line, and they feel like the yeah. Rams' offensive line was strong enough to handle a next man up mentality. So I think that right there says a lot about people are looking at the Rams. So Dal Henderson at 16 is, is, is a good pick, and I'll be 16 is a good pick. You got to keep Matt Stafford uh, upright in this offensive line. Uh, they did climb to 11 in rushing yards uh, with 19 touchdowns and eight runs over 20 yards. So, you know, I we again we thought that it, we thought it was going to be the Cam uh, Acres show, and, and uh, we hope for a recovery for him. That that kind of an injury is not promising at all. We have a lot of track history with with people who tear their uh, rupture their Achilles like that. It's not good. I mean, Adrian Peterson may be the only one that, you know, can really ever overcome it, 
uh, like he did. But look, Akers is still young, uh, and, and they always talk about the advancements in restoration and medicine, you know, and, and, and just rehab uh, in general. Uh, we're seeing un, un, uncharted territory here with players. So, you know, there's always a chance that he comes back. Everybody's asked me about Dynasty, and I said I wouldn't I, – I mean, I would trade him for a second in a heartbeat. And people didn't think that that was wise of me to do that. But um, in Dynasty, I just think you have to take what you can get for a player with that kind of an injury and move on and try to hit a jackpot with that next year and no matter what's there. So um, it's unfortunate. But, look, we move on. Like you said, Daryl Henderson's there, Robert Woods, and now we see Cooper Cup also in the third round. So this is the round of the Rams with Cooper Cup uh, at wide receiver 16. And then we already talked to Chris Carson and David Montgomery. Corey, uh, let's move into the fourth round with Miles Gaskin, Travis Etienne, Mike Evans, and Oh My Lanta, J.K. Dobbins at pick 4-4, RB21. Uh, oh, boy. That's, uh, that is some value there for J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's scary. I mean, because he's here to say, you ne- you never we, we go into fantasy season never knowing what the situation is going to be with the Ravens running back. When it comes to Ravens running back, you might as well wait on the last man on the roster, and that's the guy that normally would hit. You know what I mean? J.K. Dobbins seems to be too good a football player to just be somebody that split carries with Gus Edwards. Now, I know that but we've seen in the past from the Baltimore Ravens offense, they want to utilize both the running backs to keep them healthy and keep them fresh. But if you listen – I have no problem with that. If you want to keep Dobbins healthy and fresh, that makes him more effective when he do get the football. I'm, I'm in on J.K. Dobbins this year. I think, I, I, listen, I mean, we're, we, we are going on the days of fantasy of everybody having that one bell cow back. A lot of times you've got to mix and match and piece these running backs together, and J.K. Dobbins is a good piece. Yeah, there's some stats that uh, definitely say that um, what he's going to be capable of is a great – well, it's, first of all, a great opportunity – this is the type of player that I like to look for. I, he's climbing uh, as time goes on, even from draft to draft uh, to, to all three red versus blue. I've, I've climbed him up my board every single time as I look down here. Uh, this is a player that faced a stack box pretty much at the highest of any running back in the league last year. I think that's the number that I saw. He faced a stack box the highest rate of any running back um, that you're going to be trying to draft here as an RB1 or an RB2 in this year. And will he face a stacked box this year? Well, it just depends on what you think that they brought in in the draft, right, for Baltimore. Does Rashad Bateman make that offense more balanced to the point where now you have Mark Andrews, now you have Marquise Brown in a more natural position where they're not forcing things to those guys and they can let their offense sort of evolve the, the way it's supposed to. So, do, you know, I guess that's the question, Corey. Do you, do you have faith that a Rashad Bateman, who was an incredible talent in college, that he can come in and be that kind of a guy for Lamar Jackson, who desperately needs a wide receiver one? No, because the Baltimore Ravens don't develop wide receivers. Wide receivers get drafted and kind of just language in their system. They struggle, just like the Patriots. They struggle with developing that position. It's kind of like the players get in, the, the players get in there, and they never hit and never pop. That could be something in the coaching in that Baltimore Raven offense. It could be something in the system. So I, I just when I see a big time wide receiver 
go to Baltimore, I kind of shun on him. Now, you know, listen, you know, take a flyer here and there. Obviously, we, we all do multiple leagues. Um, so I think that if that's the case, but really the offense is built around getting yards on the ground with Lamar Jackson yeah. and Lamar hitting Mark Andrews for big plays. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not looking for Rashad Bateman to be a fantasy star uh, out of the gate for your league, like a wide receiver one. But I, I guess what I'm saying is, does it keep the defense honest now, right? Now that you have Marquise Brown on the other side facing you know, the type of players that he'll face, uh, maybe not right out of the gate. Maybe, maybe the best corners do shadow Marquise Brown for now. I don't think so. I think, I think Bateman brings enough to the table that you start to see that, oh, my gosh, I better put my best corner on him. And then it allows, you know, Brown and those other receivers to do something. But I feel like, like this. If, yeah. if, if, they, if he does, Scott, then they can beat the Seahawks. Then they, they can beat the Chiefs. If he there does, they're a better team than the Chiefs. Look, you just got to keep him honest. And Baltimore, so, can, Baltimore can yeah. defend Kansas City. They just can't score with them. Yeah. Well, and so he, you, you're right. He's going to have to be able to – Lamar's got to be able to get the ball to Bateman to prove to the defense – that that is the command some respect so that they don't stack the box. And if they don't stack the box against J.K. Dobbins, he's going to make you pay because he made them pay yeah. against the stacked box last year. And there's several other metrics that I will go into that are total nerd metrics that, uh, yeah. that, that just please show you don't. the type of player that Dobbins is, right? right? Yeah, yeah, uh, please don't take it too far with reception perception. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not 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 here not here miles sanders tyler lockett george kittle dj moore uh the next four picks here let's take a look at how they they uh the roster construction that's what i'm more interested in right here uh sig and zag went austin eckler calvin ridley follows it up with godlin godwin miles sanders so he ends up with two running backs two receivers perfectly done well done uh rock frost goes ezekiel elliott and then bangs away at three yellow stickers, Keenan Allen, Robert Woods, Tyler Lockett. you got to love that because Tyler Lockett's a guy that is also, look, this is a guy that's Mr. Disrespect, right? Mr. Disrespect, receiver ate 100 catches last year for 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns, and somebody that catches 100 balls and still has Russell Wilson is going as wide receiver eight. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It's just one of these players that you're like, well, he's overshadowed because DK Metcalf is there, and Metcalf is going wide receiver four. But there's still a chance that Tyler Lockett is the most productive receiver in this offense, even though Metcalf is just an absolute, you know. I mean, listen here, but Scott, look at this team right here. Thing. This team is very good. This is yeah. a very good team. There's a lot. you got you got Ezekiel Elliott as a true RB1. You yep. have three excellent wide receivers. You're looking further. That's a yep. lot of catches. Yeah, that's a lot of catches right there, which is very big in the FFWC. Then you can, you know, if Josh Jacobs hit, Kareem Hunt's going to get catches too. Will Fuller could be a big play guy, yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying, in that offense down there with Tua. And Corey Davis is a guy that can have a big year for the New York Jets as well. The Jets get that offense coming. So it's a very good team. I like the way uh, that roster construction came together. There's a lot of catches on that team. Well, this is what happens when you when you abstain from drafting a blue sticker tight end and a red sticker quarterback, right? You you just fire away at those RBs and wide receivers. And by the way, it's a nice build because it, five and six to get the caliber of Jacobs and Hunt. That's a that's that's a really nice build. Let's move on. Jonathan well, Taylor, AJ. We talked, we talked last week that it was a yep. team in the middle of the draft that was built very similarly. So that right. could be. For people that play in leagues where you get KDS, 
Kentucky Derby style pick, you might want to yeah. be in that five, six, seven range this year. Yeah, yeah, you, you're you're sort of uh, you're impervious to the runs, right? You you um, yes, the runs can really happen, hit you hard uh, if you're if you're closer to the ends. And I know a lot of people like these. If they're not one or two, they don't want to be three or four usually. Um, if they're not one or two, they like to be close to the end uh, of that eight nine range where those running backs start to dry up because you still want to get one. You don't want to be without one. Yep. Uh, so typically it's right about there after you one, two, then you want to be at eight, seven. And then if you can't be there, then you just go ahead and say, okay, fine, I'll, I'll go closer to the ends. But you're right. I like that middle with Jonathan Taylor. I like that middle with Austin Eckler. Um, and that's a nice spot to be, especially with Austin Eckler coming back and getting Calvin Ridley like that. Right. That's to me, that's, that's a, that's a yep. wide receiver, potentially the best wide receiver in all of football this year. Uh, finally, Corey, let's look at um, the, the rest of this fourth round here. We, we talked about Lockett. There we have George Kittle. Tight end three. Uh, it's either Garoppolo throwing the ball or eventually Trey Lance. Can you spend a fourth round pick on George Kittle? And I think we talked about this last week. George Kittle has the history in 2019 of some monster numbers, but it's been a while and there's a lot of good wide receivers there that you could just fill up that you have to start three every week. I'm, I won't, I'm not paying that price for the tight end position. Um, and Kittle has been great. I, I had Kittle when I was buying him in round eight or nine. But they can come up to four. I, I mean, I get it. You know what I mean? And like I said, when I've had my most success in FFWC League, it's been the strong tight end play. But I've got those tight ends at values in drafts. And I just don't look at that as a value. Yeah. 2018, Kittle had five touchdowns. 2019, Kittle had five touchdowns. Um, it, it's not the same as Darren Waller. Darren Waller comes out, gets 100 catches and nine touchdowns. He's on that Travis Kelsey tier. Kittle, while mm-hmm. he had volume and he had some big plays, he hasn't put together the end zone, uh, end zone type of uh you know, weapon season that that we've seen already out of Waller. So I think Waller deserves the pick. I'm not so sure that Kittle does. Uh, and in FFWC, it's very hard because you have to get those three wide receivers. But we'll see how that turns out because he did. He does get Cortland Sutton coming off an injury. Chase Claypool. You can see that he's going to hurt. He he's, he is hurting unless those guys come through, right? unless those guys come through with odds a little bit stacked against them to be as your wide receiver two and your wide receiver three. You don't think Cortland Sutton is your wide receiver two this year. Maybe you did last year, but coming off an injury, I don't, I don't think we think of him as a wide receiver two. No, and I, I would agree with you on that. I think it's a number of things that need to, to go right for him to get back into, into, that, into that range, but I do like some of the things that they've done in that passing game. Yeah. Um, Let's take a look at the Almighty. He's the one that started Uh-oh. three running backs. This is Evangelos Lilas. Uh, I don't know if we've seen an RB heavy build like this out of him. Henry Gibson Mixon. Now, why did he go Mixon? He could have went with a safe pick in Robert Woods, Chris Godwin, or Cooper Cup. But he obviously took Mixon because it, it, it presented top five RB upside, and I get it. Let's see what happens to his wide receivers here, Corey. DJ Moore, Kenny Galladay. Devonta Smith, Tyler Board, how do you do? Uh, here's the thing. 
Uh, you got a new quarterback for Moore. You got a new quarterback for Galladay. You got a rookie player in Smith. Yeah. Yep. A lot of questions. So, yes, yeah, a lot of questions. It can hit. It can happen because all very talented dudes. But these are. This is like first. This is like you know. This is this is new. This is new territory with new yeah. quarterbacks, a new offense, and a, a new player. I remember, this reminds me of a build back in the uh, the old days of the WCOF. After I won my my in okay first season of the WCOF, I took my lumps right. Uh, I went four and seven. I didn't know what I was doing or what I was up against. I didn't realize the power of the wide receiver position in the WCOF format, and I took my lumps right four and seven. Mm-hmm. And it was a great time, a great experience. I'll never forget it. But I learned that you had to have those wide receivers. So the next year I went out and fired away at wide receivers and also had some good luck. In the 20th round, I took Anquan Bolden as a rookie come in. I think they had three rookie wide receivers that year. And I just happened to I, – I, I fired on, I think, all three of them at the end of the draft because, you know, you don't really know which one. And I and I on Bolden. And I won my league title in my second year of the WCOF. And I said, okay, I, I kind of like – I know what I'm doing. Uh, so the third year, I, I got extremely. You what, I tell you what. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. I, I got. I got extremely cocky in my third year, and I did exactly this build: three stud running backs because I said I know who the sleepers are this year, right? I got Jerry Porter and I got Jerry Porter and Ashley Lalee and a couple of guys that I thought were going to be the breakouts, you know, and and it just. It it backfired terribly. <laughs> no, so I, t- I tell you what, you look at that year where you did win it, right? Yeah. So that year, Anquan Bolden was excellent. You mentioned that. But if I'm not mistaken, that season, Baltimore Ravens running back Jamal uh, Lewis ran for 2,000 yards. Peyton Manning and my guy, my guy who I think should be in the Hall of Fame, Steve McNair were co-MVPs. Mm. So, 2003 was my first year in the hobby, and I had a team that was given to me after somebody auto-drafted. It was my very, mm. my very first team. And the mm-hmm. team had on it, the team had, uh, you know, McNair, McNair and Manning were the, co- were the quarterbacks on the team. Jamal Lewis was running the running backs on the team. And Anquan Bolden was one of the last wide receivers taken on the team. The team ended up going fifteen and one and losing the championship. <laughs> oh, wow, wow, yep, there you go. Yeah, that's a uh, that's good memory. And I and I you know going eighteen years later, here we are. You know what I'm saying? Trying to trying to trying to do it again. Yeah, uh, let's finish up the fourth round here, fantasy noob. Uh, he's the one that started with the two yellow stickers, Stephon Diggs and CeeDee Lamb. Uh, then he goes Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Deontay Johnson. Okay, Kyle Pitts in round five. Michael Thomas, here we go. Michael Thomas lasts until receiver 36. Now, this is the first, <laughs> the first online championship uh, since the Michael Thomas news here. Michael Thomas was wide receiver 10. He now falls to wide receiver 36 at an ADP of 6-9. Wow. That's that's some plummet. Here's the thing, right? Me, myself, personally, 
I've had bad luck buying injured players that are going to return at some point during the season. It's never worked out for me. Somebody so, has to do it, I've though. Seen from, yeah, you're right. Somebody has to do it, and I've seen it work out from other people. But it's never worked out for me. It never works out for me. The player always ends up just sitting on the bench, and I cut him. And I'm wasting up a valuable draft spot and valuable roster space where you can go get that big-time free agent throughout the course of the year. Um, is Golden State a free uh, Not Golden State. Go, is Golden State a free agent? <laughs> if Golden so, State yeah. is a free agent, he yeah. could be somebody that the Saints might look at trying to bring in there to give, to give him some additional depth at that wide receiver position. He can catch a couple passes. But uh, hopefully you're just hoping that Mike, Michael Thomas does not miss too much time. Once he gets in there, you know, listen, I think Jameis Winston, if he gets the job, is going to be solid. Yeah. Uh, Des Bryant, Marvin Hall, uh, maybe Larry Fitzgerald, uh, you know, Golden Tate. Yeah, those, those, are all, those are all names that you could maybe, uh, you know, see something out. Yeah. I, I, don't know, I don't know what we're going to see here. But, by the way, I heard Michael Fabs, uh, our boy Fabs, talk about Kyle Pitts today in his video, and he basically said that he would have, have like, one of the best tight end rookie seasons in history to be worth his draft position with, that you're paying for him right now. Uh, do Is this hype? I mean, is, it, is, is yeah, this just hype? hype? hype. Yeah. Scott, we was doing the same thing with O.J. Howard five years ago. Right. And, uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We was doing the same thing with O.J. Howard five years ago. And Brandon, and Brandon Pettigrew, and Brandon Pettigrew. Yeah, on yeah. uh, a can't miss talent like we've never seen before. Right, and Jermaine Gresham. We're still waiting. We're still waiting for the breakout. Jermaine Gresham was killed by by uh, um. Jermaine Gresham was very talented, but hey, somebody could be the same thing for OJ Howard too. He's also in that same kind of offense. But Jermaine Gresham was very talented. But when he got around Bruce Arians, Bruce Arians don't have no need for the tight end. So that kind of killed off some of his value. But, man, he was, he, those were some good players. All these guys are extremely talented. But, like, I, 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 I listen, I know Pitts is so talented, right? But I want to see it first, number one. And number two, you're going to Atlanta with really one weapon in Ridley. And then you got, you got, you got, Mike, you got Matt Ryan who's a very rich man, playing on a very bad team, and he's got a new offensive coordinator this year. He has to learn a new system. I don't like Matt Ryan learning a new system this deep into his career because he's like, how committed is he to it for the team that's more than likely going to cut him at the end of the year? Yeah. Uh, let's wrap it up then. Uh, so that's, that's a, look, again, he's got a good squad. Diggs, Lamb, Deontay, Michael Thomas as your four. You're waiting for him to get back. He does take Traquan Smith in the 10th. So his wide receivers are set. He has Edward Hilaire and Melvin Gordon as his two. Maybe Ronald Jones. He's trying to figure that out right now, what he's going to do about that RB2. Uh, Kyle Murray and Kyle Pitts, that's what you get when you don't take, a, when you don't take an RB2 here. You're, you're, you know, you're searching for one. You're searching for one. Yeah. And the, 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 the hardest thing to find is fantasy football than all these two. <laughs> yeah, wishful thinking Alvin Kamara. He, he gets James he Robinson. Year, yeah, he gets James Robinson at 6'10". That can be the RB2. Michael Carter at 7'3". That could be your RB2. James Conner at 9'3". That could be your RB2. I mean, he found his RB2 potentials here. 
what did it, what else does he have? McLaurin, Ayuk, Odell Beckham, Darren Waller. Does he have enough at wide receiver there? McLaurin, Ayuk, and Odell Beckham. I like McLaurin a lot this year. I think Ayuk is very talented. As is Beckham. He may have the most talented wide receiver bunch, but I worry about targets for Beckham. And I, I worry about targets for Ayuk. Yeah. Especially if we get a healthy Debo. And Big listen, upside. I think McLaurin is going to have a, I think McLaurin is going to have a very good year. I think McLaurin is perfect for the maniac that is Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I worry about, you know, the rest of the wide receivers. Yeah, you know, there's something to be said about taking swings. Uh, I like to take swings in the right spots. And sometimes I look at a roster like this, you're swinging on McLaurin in a second. Uh, Waller, anytime you take a tight end, you're swinging, especially in, you know, but, but again, that's a nice pick. But you're swinging on Ayuk, you're swinging on Beckham, you know, James, James Robinson is fine. Michael Carter, you're swinging for the fences there. You know, there's a, there, it's, it's a, you know, he's trying to go yard. And that's what sometimes you have to do in the online champ. I just like to do it in, in select spots and not in spots of need, right? I don't like to, have, I don't like to swing in a spot of need. Uh, Dalvin Cook, Najee Harris for Medlin is a great monster start. Cooper, Higgins, yep. Julio, Debo, Cooks, and Hilton. Now, he gets a little old there, uh, but he does have the firepower to be able to, to field a lineup, and I kind of like that. And he is going green and yellow stickers here. That's all he cares about because he's firing away at more running backs in 9, 10, and 11 with, with uh, David Johnson, Madison as his backup, very smart there, and Tevin Coleman. Lots of, run, lots of green and lots of yellow. That's, that's, that's how to win. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. We both, you know, I don't want to talk about nobody that's on the board. Interesting to see what they do at quarterback. I got a couple guys out there that I like. Okay. And then finally, Autumn Wynn, Jerry Bryant, McCaffrey, Aaron Jones, we talked about. He gets Trey Sermon as – now, see, there you go. That's my swing. RB3, his RB3, Trey Sermon, at the end of the sixth round. Take a swing, right? That's a nice educated yeah. – uh, re- that's where you take your swing. Uh, his receivers, Allen Robinson, Jamar Chase, we've already talked about ad nauseum with a, a – you know, Sean Childs loves him for a 90-catch season. And Juju Smith-Schuster as his three, LaVishka as his four – Rager and Gage, he's got guys that can fill in along with Justin Herbert in round nine. Interesting with the with the with the situation with the Cincinnati uh wide receivers, Bengals wide receivers going back to back. Then you come back with uh, with Schuster on that turn. Listen, I, I trust Sean Charles more, I trust anybody. Um boy, I think that's Chase is very important as well as Viv Schuster with the with the importance of this team. I think Chanel is a guy that can be very good. Oh, I like I like the way listen Justin Herbert, you know what I'm saying, QB one. That's my guy right there. So and uh, uh Justin Gage also very interesting. So I think that's a that's a solid I think that's a solid squad so far. Yeah, look it's 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 hard to see Julio Jones fall like we're seeing, right? I mean they it's not like we saw him have an AJ Green type season, right? That was not what we saw with Julio, right? This was this was still a guy that was putting up nine for one fifty, eight for one thirty-seven and two, seven for one thirty-seven. Um, he just you know marred by injuries. I mean that that does happen uh, to players. Now he's going to an offense that doesn't have a, as much room for him as he had in Atlanta. So yes, we're not going to see that uh, that first or second round price. But if you're spending a fifth round pick on Julio Jones. I mean, and you, 
you take Juju Smith-Schuster in front of Julio Jones, it's hard for me to do, but I get why people do it. It's just uh, it hasn't registered in my head that that's what's supposed to happen with Julio, that he's supposed to fall that far. Well, I think you'll see it on the field this year. Okay. Why? What did you see on the field last year that concerns you so much? Well, I'm looking at a player in a new situation this deep into his career, and this is a player that routinely does not practice throughout the course of the week. You, yeah. When you get to Tennessee and trying to learn that new offense, you've got to practice. Yeah. Is his okay. body going to be good enough for him to consistently be on the field, practicing, learning the offense, and getting that title with Ryan Tannehill? If so, then he's going to be a steal. Corey Parson, the fantasy executive, joined us on uh, Versus Blue every year. And, uh, Corey, they can find you at NBC Sports Edge. They can find you at the fantasy exec on Twitter. Not fantasy exec, because that's that, – is that imposter still going on Twitter trying to, uh, trying to troll that, you out? That, somebody somebody was, uh, was tagged on that recently. So, uh, you know, hopefully maybe one day I'll just take that thing over because I have no clue what that is. <laughs> Follow, follow Corey at the Fantasy Exec on Twitter, and uh, make sure you subscribe to his stuff at NBC Sports Edge. The guy, has a, he's still a fantasy at heart, but he does, uh, he does a lot more betting now that betting is legal here in America. Corey, thanks for joining us on Red vs. Blue, buddy. We'll look forward to your Beat Fantasy Exec League in the lobby coming up. I know you got one coming. What else is legal? No, we're going to stop. All right. <laughs> I'll talk to y'all guys later. All right, brother. Godspeed. Everybody, uh, all right, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Corey Parson uh, joins us uh, every year for these Red versus Blue drafts. And, um, look, he brings, a, he brings an insight di- directly from the, the mouths of the high-stakes community but because he goes back so far. But this next guest uh, goes back even further than that. Um, has been around all of the high-stakes circuits, the NFFC, the 14-teamers especially, the FFPC with all of the drafts there, and the Football Guys Tournament. And uh, back this year for the FFWC, David Hubbard. David, uh, welcome to uh, Red vs. Blue. Is this your debut uh, uh, on the show? I think this is the first time I've been on this Red vs. Holy uh, crap. Blue deal. That's incredible. Yep. Unbelievable. How this is doing? episode two. It took 289 episodes to get you on. <laughs> Takes, takes a while. Hard man to get. Well, uh, I don't know if you have a draft board in front of you. Hopefully you do. There's, do. Um, there's a lot of yellow stickers going on. There's a lot of uh, – we're, we're right now we're in the middle of a, of a tight end run. I see four tight ends here in the middle of these middle rounds. Is there anything standing out to you about the FFWC drafts this year that maybe uh, you weren't expecting to see? Um, I mean, yellow stickers, obviously, you know, you know that happens. Um, anything? I mean, the the tight ends are pretty spread out. Not they're they're not pushed up like the FFPC. Any anything that stands out? Nothing really stands out out of the ordinary for me. I mean, over here you definitely have to concentrate on uh, the wide receiver position more than some of the other formats because you have to start three, and then a lot of times you most players want to play wide receivers in their flex, so uh, it's a race to get the uh, quality wide receivers on your team. Uh, looking at this draft board, I think a lot of these guys did a good job of trying to put their teams together. Uh, obviously, there's things I would do differently, but that's that's a preference still. But overall, it uh, looks like a pretty good draft y'all had tonight. Yeah, let's talk about uh, some of these builds. We, we, we did talk about the, the, the first half of the, the draft here. 
Let's go all the way over here back to the to the 12 spot and work our way back toward the middle. T. Meyer, we saw that he started off with a wide receiver tight end, followed it up with a couple of running backs, uh, Montgomery and Gaskin. And whether or not those are your picks, uh, I mean, I, I might say, okay, maybe I prefer Dobbins and Hen- uh, well, Henderson wasn't there. Um, maybe maybe it's Dobbins and Montgomery. Maybe I'm okay with Montgomery um, uh, there. Would you? Who, which two would you have taken there if you if you were in that sh- in the shoes? If I was in that draft, I probably wouldn't be taking running backs uh, at all. And I don't really at all right there. Okay. In, in this format, I, I love Kelsey and Hockelson just as much as anybody else. But in this format, there's I'm never taking those two guys together. I just think it hurts you to to build a team that way in this in this structure. And I think you're going to be hard pressed to to get an explosive enough team to, to to win. They they would they would, they'll both have to have their uh, historical years for that to work. So it's not my favorite uh, favorite structure to a team in the FFWC format. Too tight end. It doesn't have a nice. I, I, we have stats on. Um, we have a report, and I'll I'll make sure we share that this week. Uh, it breaks down the year before of uh, the percentage of times a, a, a team wins when you're taking certain types of uh, roster builds. I, I, I sure. think you're right about that. I don't see a lot of league champions come from teams that take two tight ends in the, uh, in the top six picks. But uh, w- w- what you said there was interesting. You wouldn't panic over running back just because you didn't take two if they're not the running backs that, you know, that, that really stand out for you. Unless there's a running back that stands out, which running back would have had to have fell for you to say, I would take it? Would it have been Anderson there? Would it have been Carson? And then you lock that RB1 I mean, I would, in, or do you, you just fire away anyway? I could fire away anyway, but, I, I mean, you'd have to consider guys like Carson, even Dobbins. Uh, mm-hmm. Those guys make sense there, depending on this. Again, to me, in this format, the FSWC, it's all about how you structure your team. Uh, right. To get an explosive enough team to win these leagues. So uh, it depends on, on who you took in the first and second round, how you want to structure the team with inventory of the – by the position that you're going to take in the next two. I look forward to the next two rounds to see what I analyze the boards to see what inventory is going to be available in the next round. And I think all successful drafters uh, have that uh, philosophy. I love, I love talking but, about roster construction rather than player evals. I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I like to get thoughts on Miles Sanders and try to figure out why everybody's off of this guy. And is it injury related or is there something else there? Is it just the overall team because Jalen Hurts is going to take away from him or, or what have you? Miles Sanders was going, you know, in the top two rounds last year, and now he's fallen to RB22 and still flashed the same kind of upside that he flashed, uh, you know, originally. So, is there a reason why the, the high stakes community is, is, is falling out of love with Miles Sanders? I think there's a, a couple of things. Uh, just the, the Philly coaching staff and uh, mm. the schedule uh, this year. If you really analyze schedules, there if, mm. if you're if you're good at there's some problems with the schedule in my opinion. And okay. uh, I've seen him going to fifth. I own a few shares of him in the fifth round. I mean, I, I think the guy has talent. He's a super talented individual. And back to your other point, I think there's it's to become a good drafter uh, year after year. I think it's twofold. It's roster construction and talent evaluation. I mean, I've always been a go-getter guy. I've changed a little bit over the years to uh, looking at how to structure a, a team to be successful year in and year out. So I think it's a combination of both, Scott, uh, player evaluation and then knowing how to put that with uh, roster construction in these different formats. And I think a lot of times people – and I, I'm guilty of this. That's why I don't like bouncing back and forth. I like spending a certain amount of time, a couple of weeks maybe drafting one structure because – 
if you go from FF, if you if you draft consistently in FFPC and then you come over the next day and you're drafting the same way in FFWC, I don't think you're going to have a lot of success. I think they're two different formats that require two totally different thought processes. Yeah, and I think I think also what doesn't get talked about a lot is the strategy changes when your ROI is contained in the league itself versus the overall, right? When you're talking about more going into the leagues versus the overall, that changes your strategy. I mean, like at RT Sports, I think they give like a thousand bucks to the league. I mean, you're not, you don't care at all about the league itself. You know, you're, you're trying to build a team that can push all the way to the end, you know? And so you're, you're trying to push all in, uh, the roster builds it's it, it's it is really fascinating you got to know your rules and you got to know your payouts and where you know where your bread's buttered when you're putting, uh, when you're putting the team together 100%. yes sir uh Definitely. also you you've you're a guy that uh, typically i mean i'm not i don't think i'm revealing any of your deep secrets here i just watched some of your drafts seems like you're waiting sure. on the quarterback and and that's what look that's that's what a lot of high stakes players do but it, but it almost seems like you're defiantly, you, you defiantly turn away even when value falls to you. Like, that's the hard part for me. When I'm drafting and I'm looking at a player, like, you know, that I'm just not thrilled about, and I see Josh Allen there, for, it, it's hard for me to turn it down because I'm like, man, that Josh Allen last year, that's a lot of points per every week, you know, uh, and, and I don't have to have a perfect team. I just have to have a team of hitters to make it, but, but it seems like you, you have the resolve or the, or the, or the, or a strategy in your in set where you will take a quarterback there if he's there, but it's, but it's a little bit deeper than most. I like, I, I like the, my, 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 the whole thought process behind the quarterback position in four point uh, pass leagues. I mean, the rushing quarterbacks have some value because why they rush, okay. they rush for yards or Tyler. for touchdowns, but I like to, I like to push what I say what I what I what I define it is I like to push a quarterback until I think he has the value to that team I'm drafting whatever it might be like Herbert in the tenth round I'll, and FFWC I'll, I'll say it I drafted Herbert in the tenth round in one of the onlines I did over here to me that's pushing Herbert to a spot where I feel really comfortable taking Herbert at that spot whoever the quarterback is Josh Allen now I don't want right. to ever take these quarterbacks when you're drafting in a massive field or, or not even a massive field over at FWC, it's a lot smaller field to beat, but still I don't want to take the quarterback above what the masses are taking the quarterback at because it makes no sense to me. So what I, what I, how I deem my philosophy is I push the quarterback to a position, to a spot where I feel it has value based on how I constructed the team. I'll never forget uh, sitting in Vegas and uh, Rob Zarzicki was at my table he was uh, drafting from I think the ten or eleven hole, and or was it? Let's see. No, the the tables are always set up uh, going from left to right. So he's sitting in the two hole then, okay? And it comes back mm-hmm. to him at two eleven, and Tom Brady's still there. This is after his rookie, or not? This was after his big record-setting performance. And he's on the clock. He's on the clock. He's on the clock. He finally picks up his beer. He chugs it, sits it bit down, and says you know, son of a bitch or something like that, and says Tom Brady. He couldn't pass him up when it got to a certain point because of the numbers. You remember the Randy Moss year that he just totally sure. went went bananas. Sure. And everybody was taking him that early. You, I mean, they were taking him, you know, I, I saw first-round picks were taking him. Second round at 211, even a guy like Rob Zarzicki couldn't turn it down, even though he knew what it meant to how difficult it was going to be to make a roster build. Now, of course, the story goes on that – one oh, that one year? year? That year he went one yeah. one overall? Okay. Yeah, 350 league. 
So that's the year that uh, he he got hurt in the opening game. Yep, and uh, it's human psychology. People live in last year, and it's a new year. I mean, you have to totally kind of wash last year out and uh, start start fresh with your evaluations and and how you want to uh, attack the the following year. It's hard to do. I mean, mentally, it's hard to do. But you have to do it. I think. Do you think the Bills have enough to to get to get the Chiefs this year? I definitely think they're in the conversation. I like everything they've done defense, defensively and offensively. And, uh, yeah, I think they're definitely uh, in contention for uh, for the AFC, no doubt. I think they they need to see some development from some of the young players. They're Gabriel Davis that they drafted last year, the Zach Moss that they drafted last Zach year. Moss, I even the, the, the tight end, I think they, they need to see some growth there too because you got to have that reliability um, in the in the red zone. When you when you want to score yep. instead of putting up three, you put up seven. But Allen does that. Like if he doesn't see it, he just takes off, and he, and uh, that's the exciting like thing a, about Josh Allen. Yeah, he's like a fullback with a with a with the ball in his hands, or more like a halfback. He's he's a he's a special talent. There's no doubt about it. Let's look at his mystery player team here from the eleven hole. He takes Barkley, Metcalf, Cup, Etn. Mahomes, he takes the first quarterback off the board at five eleven. I used to have a rule. That's we a, used to have a rule in, in WCOP. If, if Peyton Manning fell to the fifth, you take him. Uh, Pat a, Mahomes falls to the fifth. That's I, hard to hard to down. I haven't seen Mahomes that late in uh, any draft I've done this year that I can remember in any format. I think that's hmm. the latest I've ever saw. I don't know if you have ADP readily I available. I do. For yeah, his low was fifty four. His low was fifty four. So one one other time. Yeah. Oh no, no, that's that's, that's the that's no, fifty nine. That's fifty nine. That yeah. you're right. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, that's the latest I've seen him go in any format. Yeah, of course, in NFC he's going to NFC he's going to go a lot higher with six points per TD. He doesn't get out of the third round over there. And then FFPC, you rarely see him. I don't think I've ever seen him get to the fifth. So that's probably the latest the guys got him in any. So I can't argue with the pick. I might take you think, him there to have. You think you think uh, you think Miko Hardman uh, finally emerges in that offense to be somewhat reliable? I definitely do. I think he hangs out with Mahomes, good friends with Mahomes, and I think he put in a lot of work. And I think he definitely has a chance to step step forward. I feel like we're kind of offense. forgetting where they drafted him and with the upside that he presented in the draft when they when they took him. I looked at him as like, okay, they they might be moving on from Tyreek Hill and all of his baggage, even though they had signed him. I felt like they maybe they they still didn't trust that the kid could keep it together and and I, when they drafted Miko Harbin with the, with the pedigree that he had um, we haven't seen it yet you know but a lot of times you yeah. don't see it until year three so maybe and you can't teach speed so right you can do you a lot of things you can't you can't teach speed uh, Jerry Judy yep. as his wide receiver three Mike Williams as the four is that enough um, to field I, I an like FFWC lineup. I think he's well on his way if he can find a, a fifth. Now, after that, if you look at his team, really analyze it, he's got two tight ends. He's got two running backs that may or may not get uh, touches. Uh, Bateman's a, a rookie. Who knows what to expect there. Christian Kirk yeah. might lose his role that offense. Yep. The rest, I like what he did through through the Mike Williams. Even the Godot pick's fine with me. I like what he did through, through there, but then the rest of his team, uh, he, he, might, uh, he might have some problems, but I mean, it's a, it's a decent team. Uh, the other question he has is Barkley. I mean, is Barkley 100% ready to go week one? Probably not. So, but no, the is there a, receivers are fine. You, you comes, look at uh, it. Judy, 
Yeah, if, you, if you're okay with Judy and Williams, and then and, and then in the eighth you take uh you know Go Dare or Goddard whatever we're calling him nowadays. Um, oh, yep. Maybe there is there another wide receiver that would have sort of you you get you go to bed feeling like you you're, you're sort of a little more settled instead of going there Bateman maybe it's it's wide receiver then tight end. They definitely could do that. I mean, there's there's several guys I I, I would okay. I, I could consider. Michael Gallup, I mean, with Cooper's being not 100%, Marquise Brown, I think, is still going to have a big role in that offense. I mean, even a guy like Mooney uh, could. So there's a lot of ways you could uh, build. There were definitely wide receivers there. Godard has the potential to to, uh, be a target hog this year. There's no doubt about it. And they're talking about Ertz maybe staying in Philly now. So people are starting to drop him down a little bit as from just the, just on the I, news this I week, hope but I hope, I hope they drop Gardner way down because Ertz to me looked like he was toast. He looked like he pulling a wagon behind him. So I don't see Ertz even being a factor. I think that's part of Ertz's problem. He knows that he's going to be second fiddle to Godard, and he doesn't really like that. So he was looking for a new new place to go. But it sounds like they're going to right now. It sounds like they're going to let him. He's going to stay there. Let's look at this Bronco team uh, that Ken puts together. Ken Brzozowski. Uh, he takes Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Chris Carson, Mike Evans as your wide receiver three. What are we seeing here with Mike Evans? Is it just the fact that it's a crowded situation in Tampa and that's that's why he's falling? Yeah, I love Mike Evans. I'm a Mike Evans homer. He grew up like 15 right? minutes from my house. I kids play high school basketball and, and high school football. But, yeah, he's a, he's a freak show. I'll take Mike Evans as my number three wide receiver on anything. All day long. Uh, he, but I mean, he has there's there's competition for touches there, and Brady spreads the ball around. That's the negative. I mean, you have Antonio Brown, and you have Chris Godwin, who's really really a good receiver. So that's probably the reason he drops. Otherwise, he would be be in the second round conversation because uh, he his talent talent wise, he belongs right there with Adams and Jefferson and Ridley or any of those guys. But the, not the, fair. The problem is, yeah. Brady Brady he has he all does. that. He has Godwin. He has Evans. He has Antonio Brown. That's just not fair. Yep, and they, they have a stable of running backs, too. So they're going to be right, and their defense is awesome. So they're going to be right back in contention again this year. Dave Hubbard, you used to play the 14-teamers. You were always really um, really about those. Uh, that's that's a totally different strategy from the 12. You you I remember a tip you always told me in those 14-teamers that you, you could be willing to sacrifice a position. Uh, that That isn't – is that something that is okay to do in the 12 teamers as well? Sacrifice a position and load up anywhere else. The reason I like FFWC uh, and I'm, I want to get back to it is because it reminds me a little bit of the 14 teamer. I think there's a lot of similarities because you had to start three wide receivers there. You're dealing with two extra teams and player inventory. It's the same thing here because you, you have the two extra flex spots and so it, it awards uh, the, the format awards uh, better drafters for sure, in my opinion. And you look at the yeah. guys who've won the FFC, they're all great drafters. I mean, uh, Chad Schroeder and Darren Summer and Glenn Lowy. I mean, you're talking about guys that really know how to do roster construction and how to evaluate talent and put, put uh, teams together. And he didn't really sacrifice any position here. He has Tyler Higbee uh, in the ninth round, who a lot of people are expecting bigger this year. Um, he has his RB1. He has an RB2 in Javante Williams, who everybody's – I mean – People are just saying, raving about this kid, like he was the best running back in this class. And I'm like, you know, that's saying something because you had two guys in Najee Harris and Travis Etienne that were arguably 
you know, the draft class's favorite. But in fantasy, people are saying that Javante Williams might be the best producer right out of the gate, even with Melvin Gordon. He's kind of making Melvin Gordon look slow out there. Yeah, he's definitely going to look like he's going to be the guy there in Denver. Uh, I won't be surprised if Melvin got traded, but uh, that's still Ooh. an ongoing deal. <laughs> and that the might guy be interesting. Maybe the Rams. No? Yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't know. know. Rams, they, the they, they say they're okay. They're okay with with Henderson and what they have there. So I, I don't look for them to – a lot of people say they're going to – I don't know. I don't think that coach is interested in paying a price for a running back. I think he's happy with his defense, happy with the talent he has on the team, and their passing game is going to be uh, leaps and bounds better with Stafford over golf. So I think the Rams are sitting in a good spot too. Let's look at Team Koch, one spot over. Nick Chubb, Daryl Henderson, J.K. Dobbins. You couldn't really ask for a nicer trio of running backs. Let's see what happens to the receivers. Jefferson, Robbie Anderson, and Tony Brown. Uh, Mark Andrews, Lamar Jackson. I mean, doesn't that team just have the lineup already set? Yeah, I think it's a, a really solid uh, uh, really solid team. I, I, I don't know if I uh, – well – is Robbie strong enough to be your two? Yeah. Yeah. At least over at FFWC, um, there hasn't been as many drafts where you're fighting like Darrell Henderson in the third, then you're trying to beat teams that got him in the 11th and 12th round with a bunch of receivers in between him. So it's kind of hard to pay the price in some other formats where there's been, say there's been uh, 2,000 drafts or whatever. Right. And right. people have in the 11th and 12th round. Uh, you're going to be hard-pressed to beat those teams taking him in the third round, even though I like Darrell Henderson, and I like what this guy did. I mean, I, li- I'm a, I like Dobbins, too, so he got a deal. Well, he could, went Dobbins, a- he could have went Dobbins-Henderson, and it's basically the same effect. <laughs> same effect. Really, he got Henderson in the fourth round because Dobbins probably belongs in the third round. Right, so. exactly, yeah, yeah. But is but Robbie, overall, is Robbie a, a wide receiver, too, you can count on, though, in the F- – and I guess if he's not – if if he's Pretty not, you're you're you're, you're thinking maybe you go Beasley or or Hardman and or Gabriel Davis, one of those guys. Maybe he'll you, you hit lightning there. I actually like what he did by taking Hardman and Gabriel Davis because I think that's two guys that that uh, could wind up uh, way outperforming their their draft uh, uh, ADP. So he took two explosive guys at least, and then he took an old guy and AJ Green. But but um, and then three tight ends. I mean. To me, I, I let you. In. I think if you're taking three tight ends like that in the first uh, first uh, twelve rounds, you're doing it wrong. You don't need three tight ends over there. I, I, sometimes I leave the draft. I, I don't even. Want, I just go with one tight end and play the waiver. <laughs> because I think you're not one. You're never. You're not winning flexing those guys without in a tight end premium format. So why why are you rostering them? So I, I'm not. And there's always fan of, uh, always going to be some on waiver wire. It seems like. Yep. That's not a thing I would be doing. And then, are, are you are you comfortable? Are you comfortable when we're since we're talking roster construction? And you know, you got twenty picks here. That's what you have. You have twenty investment opportunities here to take a shot on a player. Is there are there drafts where you will take a kicker and a defense in these leagues, or are you are you confident that you won't miss that fab in the preseason and you'll make sure that you lock those in? Uh, as you know, I've done several of these, uh, and I haven't taken a kicker or defense one time in any of them. So if that answer, that, that'll answer your question. And that answer, yeah. I, these are the evaluated. kinds of things I want, I want out on the show. I want, I want people to hear because that's how people learn, right? Um, yeah. It, it, yes, yeah, never, it, it is hard to have high-stakes players, you know, talk about their strategies, but, you know, that's, that's why, you know, no, you're authentic and you're no, honest, and, and that's what people like to hear, you know? 
and, the, and as far as uh, they ought, they might ought to read the rules on the defensive scoring over here. It's a little it's a little different than some of the other formats too. So defense is really a replaceable commodity over here, in my opinion. So why are you wasting a roster spot on the defense when you could maybe roster a look? I mean, Michael Thomas got hurt, so you might have right. had a receiver instead of the kicker that you took. Uh, you could might have had one of those receivers on your roster already that could have helped you in the long run. So it's it's almost an afterthought. Yeah, I, I prefer – I really prefer – it'd be bad for me for waivers because I have a lot of teams and a lot of uh, waiver work, but I would probably not take a kicker in defense in any format if I didn't have to. It wasn't a, uh, uh, a requirement of the league. Th- this, this is the last public draft board of the online championship, so now if you want to see a draft board, you have to play. And so uh, – yep. or you can or you can kind of see it through the – Different. The draft boards and the draft reviews that are that are done off of these drafts are the last glimpse prior to uh, the, uh, the the world championships that we start to see that are that are coming up here. Yep, um, that's going to be great. Oh, and, and we do have preseason waivers now in the world championship. Also, we have a we have a preseason fab uh, in the world championship for the first time in our in our nine years. You don't have to take a kicker in defense in those either, correct? I, I that's read right. The rules on the main event. Nope, that's right. As, as long as, and like I said, as long as you can set your alarms and and uh, set your lineups and make sure the waivers and the fab you pick those up, you know, and don't forget because then you'll you'll come crying and be, there's nothing I can do. <laughs> yep. Uh, nothing anybody can do. Sure. You know the good thing is though when I do field those calls um, about somebody that had forgotten to pick up a kicker or their kicker was hurt and they didn't pick up a kicker or something along those lines. The good thing about our format is the all-play weeks that we have in weeks one and two. You're still feeling out your lineup. You don't really know what you have. All you got to do is make the top six and you get your dub. And, sure. and so you can survive not having a kicker because, again, six and you get your win. Um, it, it could be the reason why you don't become be in the top six because you don't have that you know, three points, six points, eight points, whatever. But uh, it, it's not always a death sentence, right? Because all you got to do is be in the top six, and if, if the rest of your team does fine, you know, you'll make it. Well, Dave, for being uh, from this draft or or about uh, what's going on with you, uh, what else you got going on this year? That's about it. I'm gonna just uh, drafting and getting ready for the season. I got I'm doing some stuff with a couple of different guys that I hadn't done uh, drafts with in the past. Uh, Billy Musio and I, are, who has FF. Uh, Analyst. Uh, fantasy for his company, and uh, he's he's a great guy. He's helping me draft some teams this year, so I'm having fun with that. So that's about and it. And the kids are are the kids are the kids are the kids in athletics and in in sports, or are they out of high school already? What, I'm trying to remember. I have one, I have one daughter that's a senior. She's a tennis player, and then my other daughter graduates from A and M this year, so that's exciting. So that is exciting. Yeah. You, have one, you have a senior in high senior in high school still. Senior in high school, and then uh, my older daughter is a senior at A and M. So all, they're both you, doing you, great. You've almost you've you've almost made it. <laughs> yeah, a, it's tough, but uh, yeah, college education is not uh, cheap nowadays. Elston, uh, Elston's um, my youngest. He's he just started uh, football. His first year freshman football. Oh, awesome. Just started well, Center Grove. They uh, they they were the first sco- they're the first school in the state history. To have all three teams last year, freshman, JV, and varsity, to all go undefeated, so the the, wow. the pressure and the expectations they're putting on these kids, I'm like, guys, I mean, I get it, 
but let them have some fun, man. Let them just, you know, they're they're running these guys to death. Okay, they're what the, uh, what, uh, what position does your son play? O line. O line. All right. O line. Yep. O line. Well, you have your hands full. All that, man. Yep. Oh man, it's uh, it's it's every day. There's there's every, every day, and then you know. Uh, keep keeping us busy. That's true. Well, Dave, thanks for coming on. Red versus blue. Let's not go another 289 episodes before you're back, okay? Let's do it, Scott. I, I enjoyed talking with you, man. Appreciate you, brother. You All right. Good luck All this year. Right, bye-bye. Yes, sir. That's bye. Dave Hubbard, one of the best minds in the world of high-stakes fantasy football. You can learn a lot from listening to these guys. They have a lot of tips, a lot of things that typically just don't come actual, or, or you might not be thinking about little tips. Uh, and you'll see them do things differently in their leagues every year as you watch them. Like Chad Schroeder, I, I know it every year. I'll see him drop guys on uh, Wednesday night, and and then Friday he's active in the fabs on Friday. And a lot of people discount – now it's Sunday, but a lot of people discount that second fab period because they think they can just get everything on Wednesday night. But a lot of these, these, uh, these pros, these veterans I'll, – I'll call them veterans – uh, they know not to discount that second that that second fab because a lot happens between Wednesday and the weekend, and especially now with COVID and and all of the injuries and things. Now that our second fab is on Sunday morning at 10 a.m., um, that fab is really important. This is the call-in section of the show. Uh, you can reach us at 516-387-1480 if you're drafting in this league and you want to give us a shout. I'm going to keep looking at this draft board. I'm going to take a quick drink break, and we'll be right back in about uh, 77 seconds. What an incredible Cinderella story. This unknown comes out of nowhere to lead the pack. At Augusta, he's on his final hole. He's about 455 yards away. He's going to hit about a two iron, I think. Well, he got all of that. The crowd is standing on its feet here at Augusta. The normally reserved Augusta crowd going wild. For this young Cinderella who's come out of nowhere, he's got about 350 yards left. He's going to hit about a five iron, I expect, don't you think? He's got a beautiful backswing. That's, oh, he got all of that one. He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on its feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left, and he's got a... Looks like he's got about an 8-9. This crowd has gone deadly silent. Cinderella story, out of nowhere. A former greenskeeper now about to become the Masters champion. <clears throat> it looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Hey, young fella. It's in the hole. Red versus blue is back. The third and final fantasy football online championship draft, episode 289 here. This is the last public draft board we're going to be doing before the world championships get rolling. Uh, they'll be here before you know it, and, and uh, the action starts to creep. We're already starting to see some of the names on this draft board start to creep up higher than they normally have in the last uh in the last couple of weeks and it just sort of happens it just sort of clicks every year around this time it happens this is an open call in segment uh of the show 516-387-1480 we have a couple of phone lines lit up and we still have some phone lines open so go ahead and give us a call we're going to take a first caller from 786 area code 786 you're on red versus blue 
God, it's David. How are you? Hey, fantasy noob. Okay. Well, look, if uh, if people are at home wondering who this is, this is David uh, Mora from uh, the Four Hole. Took Stefan Diggs to shake up the draft right away. What was it about Stefan Diggs last year that said, you know what, he's going to be my anchor uh, at the fourth overall pick? Just the high floor and also spreading mm-hmm. shares of players that I have throughout many leagues. Yeah, look, when you have a lot of leagues, you have to use that uh, ownership tool. You, do, you, do you pull that up on the My Teams page and you check it out, or do you keep track of that uh, somewhere else too? Yeah, definitely. I use the ownership tool on your site. Nice. Uh, you, you start to see what you have and what you don't have. Uh, look, you could have did – you, did you consider Hill, t- or did you already have some Hill and you wanted to shake it up a little bit? Yeah, I already grabbed Hill in a few of my earlier drafts where I was drafting in the middle where I didn't like the, the running backs or the risks that they hold at least. It didn't look like you were. It didn't look like you were worried about stacking. You just are. Are you a stacker by nature? Like, if you're going Kyler, are you looking to get a, a Cardinal? Or if you go Diggs, are you looking to get a, a Josh Allen? Or or hoping maybe that happens? Yeah, that kind of thing. I keep the option open if they fall in the right spot. Like for instance, if Allen dropped in the six, I would have taken you him. You would have. You would have snagged there. So. Yeah. Right. And then you. And then you, I you, wanted to bring. Go ahead. Yeah, you took Michael Thomas there. I wanted to talk about that because that's the player who somebody eventually had to take, and you all had to be watching him, saying, "Okay, eventually somebody's got to do it." It just happened to be you. Yeah. So at wide receiver thirty-six, there's not too many guys left. Maybe a handful that have a decent ceiling. So depending on when and if he comes back, but I would imagine some point near the middle of the season, they do have their bye week, and I think it'll be five. So maybe he can get back by week six. But if not, somewhere in the middle of the year, that could be a tremendous boost, especially for this particular team that I have, where I'm receiver heavy. So I'm not going to be very dependent on him. So maybe he can give me that playoff push later in the year. And it was nice that you were able to get, uh, you know, Traquan in the 10th, who, look, we haven't seen him be a wide receiver one, but we also, you know, another year in the system, uh, you, he will be counted on to provide, you know, consistent support. He's another player, like, kind of like a Jacoby Myers, may just be counted on to be the, the, the wide receiver one in the offense. So it's nice to get guys that late that may be the reliable piece that you need to hold the fort until Thomas gets back. And if Thomas gets back and Winston's there and, and can sling it in the second half of the season, you'll be fine. Absolutely. So, yeah, hopefully I get some production from one of those two receivers out of Traquan and then whenever Michael Thomas gets back. Yeah, let's talk about Lamb. See, Lamb you took at 2-9 with the wide receiver 10 pick. Earlier than we've seen Lamb go, it was the, um, the highest we had seen him go was pick 25. You took him at pick 20 or 21. Uh, second year breakout for you obviously yeah absolutely surprisingly of all my drafts thus far I have not been able to take him he seems to always get snagged just prior usually in the early third so I figured I'm going to go receiver here and I like my chances at a running back that I like that's going to fall in the third so may as well pull the trigger on the receiver of choice at the end of the second and then still get my running back that I like in the early third yeah, so you're sitting there when you when you looked at Lamb, you saw Najee, Aaron Jones, Edwards Hilaire, Mixon, four guys there that just have to get through 
a gauntlet of three teams that are already have RB1. So you played the odds and you nailed it with Edward Solaire. I'm assuming if, if he wasn't at the highest on the list, he's probably right there at number two, maybe behind Najee Harris. I, lo- I love the pick uh, at 3-3 or 3-4. Right, yeah, I have those two very close. Obviously, Harris holds a bit of risk being a rookie. I do like the right. potential feelings there with the rookies that could explode, but I'm not too sure how much will be involved in the passing game. I think a decent right. amount, but not too sure how much. And then the O-line, of course, their troubles. I'm not fond of that situation there. Yeah, he's leaps and bounds better than Benny Snell or Anthony McFarland. Um, just leaps and bounds better. But the uh, the, the answers are, need to be provided to that offensive line and, and what what we're looking at there. I think with the with Roethlisberger and those wide receivers, the issues on the offensive line are somewhat mitigated. It, it, you know, you you keep them honest because they it's it's a little bit harder to stack the box against Pittsburgh, right? Especially when you have an offense that's fresh. You've got a great defense on the other side of the ball. Uh, I, th- I think I think it, I think Harris is fine regardless of the you know the issues that they're going to have with that offensive line. But look, Harris or Edwards Hilaire there, you were sitting pretty, and then you do go to the Pittsburgh well with Deontay Johnson, who's just look. This is the most electric receiver on that team. I know Claypool had a great touchdown year last year. I know that Juju has been electric in the past, but I don't think there's any question that Deontay is is the guy that. Um, can really make that that next leap to somebody reliable every single week to do that six one hundred in a touch type type week every week. Yeah, absolutely. He's another receiver with high target share, so that high volume gives you a nice floor to rely on. And and you went Kyle Pitts, Kyler Murray, which is, means you're taking a tight end sticker and a and a quarterback sticker in the first seven rounds because you went with the wide receiver depth. You started firing away at running backs to kind of solve this RB problem. How do you, how do you think you did? Yeah. So with this being a season long, I like my chances at finding at least one, if not two running backs throughout the season with the injuries and pickups and having quite a few handcuffs that I did for this particular draft. Right. So I think I'll be able to manage at least one RB2, whether it's Melvin Gordon or Jones with the, potential injuries that Fournette had quite a bit of and Javante wins his tremendous upside but who knows a lot of rookies they don't make it through the full season in the NFL especially with the extra 17th game so just take a few dart throws and see which one hits yeah and it's interesting that in in round you have two backs that I like in 13 I mean Pollard obviously but in 13 and 14 we're shot penny nobody's talking about we everybody's kind of given up on him but now it's finally the time that he is back on track, uh, and Chris Carson, you know, um, you know, there, there can always be a situation happen there where something happens to Carson. And, you know, you plug in a Rashad Penny, who is the next most talented back on that roster, and then Philip Lindsay, who you look at the other two backs, everybody says, yeah, it's a crowded backfield. Well, it's David Johnson and Mark Ingram. If you're, play, if you're Houston, okay, and you're <laughs> one and six, or two and seven or something stupid where you just, you know, you don't have a team that's capable. I mean, why are you going to run your veterans anyway? They're just, you know, I, I just don't see them being, I see them letting Philip Lindsay run the, run the ball and chuck it. And, uh, you know, uh, he could, he could serve that role. No problem. Yeah. I don't even think that Mark Ingram was going to make the team. And then yeah, David Johnson, he wasn't, he was a little better than people anticipated or realized last year, but he has quite a bit of wear and tear and injury history. So I figured Lindsay would be a good shot to 
potentially felt like a felt like a swan song kind of a season i had not been buying into david johnson mm-hmm. at all um Agreed. i think for i think two years in a row i think he made my bust list um <laughs> you know it's, i was like why are people still mm-hmm. buying into this guy i don't understand well you know but uh he was the guy <laughs> that every week even when he was the top performer in a, in a first round pick he was the guy that would be sitting there on you know two or three or four fantasy points and then all of a sudden in the fourth quarter he bails himself out and i'm like i just don't that's not my guy never was <laughs> Never was right. Well, good stuff, man. The, the one was, last uh, thing. Yep. The, the one last thing I wanted to bring up. Um, you brought it up just I think the last segment in regards to the second waiver run. I noticed the the slight change in the Sunday morning waiver run from 11 back to 10 a.m. Eastern. I was just curious to know like what was the the reasoning and thought behind it because I know like a lot of the inactives come out after 11 to 11:30 maybe 12. So I was curious to know the reason to push it earlier an hour as opposed to maybe later an hour, keep it at 11? Uh, good question. We'd have to go back to the survey results. I think the 10 o'clock hour, um, well, the, our, our waivers do process pretty quickly, but uh, the, the feedback mm-hmm. that we got was because people are playing in all the different formats, you don't have a lot of time to process that many uh new lineup decisions and and so it wasn't it wasn't ever to give you the the feedback about uh to make to give you fab after the active list that was never the intent of fab because it was always friday so it was only it was typically it was moved to sunday because of covid and and it's we stuck Mm -hmm. with sunday because of covid um because of the things that could happen on saturday uh, and then giving an extra hour give, gives you more time to get those new lineups set and uh, across all of the different formats, whether it be us or the other or the other formats, gives gives the players a little bit more time. But uh, and I, and I think that was in the survey. But uh, oh, there you go. Look, you you just took uh, you took my boy Funk, the Funkster. <laughs> yeah, I figured. I mean, it's the last pick, probably be the feature cut for the defense or kicker, but. Who knows if something happens to Henderson and if they don't bring someone in. Although I anticipate they're going to bring someone in, but probably yeah. not a big name. So we'll see what happens there. Well, good draft, David. Uh, always um, always good to have you uh, drafting with us. And um, we uh, the big drafts start up uh, here in another week, and then it's uh, the big-time money's on the line, man. Good luck this year. Absolutely appreciate it. Like that. All right, see you, brother. All right. Uh, this is a, this has been a great show. I think I'm going to take a look at the rosters as uh, I span across. It's it's tough. This 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 draft here is tough for me to pull out um pull out a a a favorite team. Let, let me get six five one on here. Six five one. You're on. You're on red versus blue. This is this is number three. Hey, it's skull crushers. Yeah, it's Greg Cook with skull crushers. What a tough draft. Hey, Greg. Yeah, man. Look, you got Nick Chubb, Justin Jefferson. Great start. Devery, uh, or Daryl Henderson and J.K. Dobbins. And then you were saying, man, I need a, a wide receiver too. And you chose Robbie Anderson over D.J. Chark. Yeah. With the quarterback coming back there, I just, you know, he was averaging last year at 14.5 points per game. And I thought, boy, you know, with a better quarterback, maybe we could get that up to 16. Um, but you know what happened? You get to that point, there really wasn't much left. 
Right. Well, he was the wide receiver one for uh, for the New York Jets with Sam Darnold, and he gets Sam Darnold back. So there's obviously yep. chemistry there. Uh, I, I think people are probably discounting that chemistry. Uh, and he's not he, – he, he definitely has an easier time on that side of the field. Look, Brandon Marshall, you know, I, I think I was the inventor of the Robbie Anderson train. And uh, I called him a wide receiver one after I listened to how Brandon Marshall raved about him. You go back and look at the tape, and I'm like, yeah, he has all the skills to be a wide receiver one in this league. And he didn't really disappoint the Jets. He just the Jets just paid Adam Gase, uh, you know, the disaster that, that that he was. They let him walk and they didn't pay him. And you often wonder, you know, had he stayed there, would would he, uh, you know, would he be the one? Well, he goes to Carolina. DJ Moore is the one, but he he outplayed Moore on many occasions. Uh, and now he gets Sam Darnold back. There's a good chance, you know, he out he outplays Moore again. Yeah, and he has a nice, uh, a very nice schedule too. So that's kind of nice. Uh, when you go with Robbie and Antonio Brown, who I absolutely love, I still feel like I need to fire away at some more wide receivers there. But you did, de- you did decide to stack, and I'm okay with stacking. Mark Andrews, Lamar Jackson. Uh, did that just sort of happen, or was that sort of? I, I know most of these drafts, you just sort of let them come to you. No, that just happened. <laughs> okay, that's not even. I was going to try to go with the. the um, uh, Tennessee quarterback, uh, Tannehill, yep. but then with Jackson there, and I thought, well, that's probably an extra 50 points over Tannehill maybe. I yep. you know, with the stack when I had Dobbins. I thought, all right, I'll just go with the stack. Yeah, you're going, yeah. We, we could see a, a, a resurgence of uh, of the Ravens there, and if you, if that happens, you've got them. Uh, Beasley, Miko Hardman, you hit on Hardman there for, as, as a flyer, which we liked. You hit on, a, obviously, you're taking a flyer on Gabriel Davis which we like, and then you take the veteran A.J. Green. Nobody's talking about him. Nobody thinks he has anything left in the tank except for Kyler Murray. What do you think about that? Well, that is funny you say that because that's all Kyler Murray talks about is A.J. Green all the time. So it's like, right. oh, that's one reason why I took him. <laughs> yeah, you're getting him at wide receiver seven, right? Yeah, right. It's just a flyer. Then, that, you know, with Robinson at the bottom down there just because he was with Mahomes. Yeah. Well, draft buddy, we're very sorry to hear about your uh, your recent loss. Our prayers are with you, man. Oh, thanks. And uh, I'm glad you were able to make this draft. I know if it gives you a little bit of a a break and and something to uh, you know take a little time away and just uh, you know this 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 season's going to be here fast enough. But make sure you take the time with the family, and uh, we'll, we'll definitely see you back in the draft room, buddy. Yep. Hey, much appreciate you guys. Do a great job. Have a nice night. Thanks. All right, Skull Crushers, uh, join Red versus Blue from the uh, nine hole tonight. Has a good team, and if I have to pick a team that I think just hit on everything. Uh, by the way, we didn't look at Pirate Monkeys because uh, we we saw he had a lot of green and yellow stickers from the two hole. I love everything he did there. I'm not. I mean, I'm not big fans of Hilton and Cooks, but it's nice bodies, right? Bodies are what you need in the FFWC. Uh, format through the bye weeks and the injuries and, and, and the tough matchups and things of that nature. Getting Alexander Madison could be the biggest, most important pick in this draft because if you're a Dalvin Cook owner, you have to get Madison. Uh, David Johnson, Tevin Coleman. He ends up with Evan Ingram in round 12. He's one of the last teams to take a tight end. Uh, Jerry was, I think, last with Hunter Henry, which is just incredible, fallen uh, tight ends. 12 and 13, Ingram and Hunter Henry here. But he also gets Joe Burrow, Joey B, in the 13th round. I mean, look, if you could tell me that Evan Ingram 
and Joe Burrow are my tight end and quarterback, and I'm last, kind of like waiting till almost last in the league to take one, or even if that was Hunter Henry, I'm perfectly fine with that. And the, and I think isn't that the strategy? Isn't that what we you need to do to be able to make it through the gauntlet? Well, not necessarily. If you hit on some home runs here in the middle of these rounds, if the, if the home run picks are Michael Pittman or Elijah Moore or Darnell Mooney, you know, one of the, or Zach Moss, you know, Kenyon Drake, one of the, if you can hit on those, but there's no guarantee that that's a hit. And so uh, it's kind of playing the, the middle of the road. This is the type of team in Pirate Monkeys that can win this league and, and, and can make it through. Now, does it have the electricity to make it in through that rounds, 15, weeks 15 through 17 in that gauntlet? There's two different contests here in the online championship, right? It's like golf. You have putting and you have driving. This team in Pirate Monkeys does a great draw, a job of winning this league of 12, right? I'm not so certain that it wins the overall like some of these other teams that are built trying to do. Um, if I had to put my finger on one, uh, again, Skull Crushers trying to do it with the Robbie Anderson, if he can serve as the two. Bronco with that lineup, the Javante Williams, Chris Carson with Tyreek, Devontae Adams, and Mike Evans still gets Josh Allen and Higby. That's the type of team that's trying to win it all. Uh, Barkley and ETN, there's, a, there's some questions there about Barkley's health. Uh, I would say that Bronco is the team to win it all, and Pirate Monkeys is the team to win the league. Um, and there's other teams here that can, that can obviously uh, do both as well. I think everybody had a pretty good draft here. Wishful Thinking had a good draft. Noob, we already talked about, had a great draft. Almighty, putting that team together with three running backs like that, you just have to hit on some wide receivers, and it looks like uh, he has that depth, but there's, a lot, there's, there's some questions there. And then we talked about Rock Frost. Uh, we're not sitting here talking about Rock Frost team enough with Zeke Jacobs Hunt, Allen Woods Lockett, still gets Fuller, still gets Corey Davis, and, and then the tight ends are Noah Fant and Tom Brady. Gets a Kenyon Drake there late. Gets an Aaron Rodgers late. Gets a Tariq Cohen late. That team can do both, can win this league, and can win it all. Guys, I, I really appreciate you being part of the Red versus Blue series. This this has been an, an annual tradition. Uh, we've turned it in one league to three, and uh, what a great time in these. And, and now the real serious drafts start to begin. We're, we move the draft for tomorrow until 11 p.m. Eastern. If you want to jump in that draft, uh, we're going to have a nice giveaway. And we still have some wheel spins. To do. We'll get to those tomorrow, I promise you. I know we have to do the, the Chase Claypool auto. We still have to do the T. Higgins auto. We have an Amon Ross St. Brown that we have to do for Dynasty, and uh, I think one more, but we'll get to those giveaways. We've got some good ones. All right, guys, that's all for Red vs. Blue, uh, fulltimefantasy.com. We've got the Mock Draft World Championship starting this week uh, with some amazing new prizes, and we have uh, playffwc.com where all of your leagues get your laps reserved for the Fantasy Football World Championship. Uh, it's happening. It's uh, the, the best tournament of the year for your return on investment. We'll see you guys next time on Red vs. Blue. You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your host, Scott Atkins.
and Michael Trent. Please join us next time. And shout out to the best facilitator in all of high-stakes fantasy football, the Stat Guru, Roy. Appreciate you, buddy. Talk to you later.